Everybody, welcome back to the choir room as we are continuing on with our character studies, or I should say, still just getting started. We uh, just finished up our Quinn Fabre character study that you guys have in your feeds. It was released uh, last week as of this recording. So uh, this one that you have here today will be released this week. That's the uh, schedule that we seem to be going on. Probably one of these podcasts a week for you guys. In addition to the coverage that we're doing of The Weakest Link and various other uh, bonus episodes as they pop up. So hope that you enjoyed the Quinn Fabre podcast. Or if you are listening out of order, hope that you uh, enjoyed Enjoy this one first and then go back and check out what we had to say about Quinn. Uh, today, we are here to talk about yet another character and we decided to uh, kind of keep it similar to where we talked last week and uh, keep some of these thoughts all together here today. As I'm sure you've already seen, we're here today to talk about Noah Puckerman. Uh, of course, I am not alone to do so. I have a, uh, a special guest with me who is not a special guest, but just always a special guest uh, for me to be able to talk to. Aman, how is it going today? special guest i am a special guest and then i'm not a special guest what kind of guest am i goodness gracious i'm good um yeah i thought this is a bit fitting to follow up our quinn analysis with a puck one seeing as other characters are so tied with one another's and have yet such similar but different paths so i'm excited to talk about everything yeah, uh, there's there's obviously a lot of uh, the two of these characters that are intertwined throughout the show. Uh, of course, noticeably or notably in uh, season one when things get started between the two of them, and then you know we'll we'll talk about it all as the show goes on, how they kind of you know disappear from each other's lives and then kind of work their way back into them, uh, leading into the end of the show where of course we're going to see that Quinn and Puck wind up uh, together for you know as as far as the end of the show goes. So um, we'll we'll talk about that all when we get there. Um, I don't know. I, I don't think this is going to be as long as Quinn's podcast by any means. Uh, we, we did a couple things to uh, adjust that. A, we uh, just kind of went over our strategy of tackling these. So the notes uh, that we took are a little bit more concise. We're, we're not going to go as in deep uh, in, in depth into every episode like we did with Quinn. So again, we're still trying to figure out the exact format of all of this. But hopefully uh, it's working for you guys because we didn't hear much uh, positive or negative, I would say, uh, last week aside from some you know debate about the song rankings but um i think that this should be good uh any thoughts going into this uh overall puck thoughts well i think that puck um i feel like he has had such an interesting journey um and the engagement that he's gotten from fans i think surprised the producers of the show in a lot of ways which inspired them to do more with his character than I think probably would not have happened had the fans not responded in such a way. So I think as, I mean, as it is with a lot of the uh, the characters and just the plot lines of Glee, I feel like the fans have really breathed a lot of life into this character and it was fun getting to watch him sort of bumble around and fall into place towards the end. I feel like he kind of suffers from, you know, some forgot about ism towards the end 
which is unfortunate seeing as how he's one of the original Glee Club members. Not the original original, but the original full uh, cast of New Directions. So I think that's unfortunate in, in that respect. But at the same time, the time that we do have him on the show is uh, is interesting, to say the least. Say the least. Yes. Um, I also want to, you know, put this up front here that uh, if this is a podcast that you're really not the most interested in specifically with this character, uh, absolutely no offense taken if you end up deciding, you know, this not not, not something that I, I want to listen to, need to hear. Uh, of course, you know, it, it's, it's a tricky thing as you try to navigate dealing with, uh, you know, the actor and the uh, the work that the, that went into the character and whatnot. So you know we're not going to sit here and uh, spend a lot of time talking or much of any time talking about you know Mark Salling's acting and and performing and all this kind of stuff. We kind of want to focus on the character that was written you know by the Glee writers and that interacted with all of these other characters throughout the time on the show and, and whatnot. So uh, you know didn't exactly want to uh, skip over the character completely. Didn't feel like that was the best way to go about it but if anybody doesn't care to to listen to this and just you know wants to move on past puck absolutely understand uh no worries at all but uh yeah obviously you know and if for some reason you uh are are not caught up on all maybe if you're a new glee fan and you came along this journey with us and you missed it when it happened uh you know a quick google search will kind of hammer out all of the uh, questions that you may be having right now. So I just wanted to get that out there as well. Uh, And again, like I said, not going to spend too much time uh, compared to the Quinn podcast with this one. Puck has a lot uh, of of story throughout the show, but not as much as even somebody like Quinn, who, you know, kind of is on the same time uh, timeline as him, like, you know, really present in three seasons and then kind of not so much in the later seasons. But uh, even when he is on screen, you know, he's never the main character. He's really a supporting character. He's there with Quinn, with Rachel, with Finn, you know, kind of tagging along to their storylines. It's uh, rare that he gets like his own actual, you know, this is an episode about Puck. Uh, overall for the season, for the series, Puck uh, got six gold stars, which was uh, kind of in the middle of the list for us. I think I was counting. I think he got to... He was like the 17th spot down on the gold star list. So, you know, uh, every once in a while, there was a good episode for him that we would call out. uh, And that's where, you know, he got the six from. But overall, like I said, more more on the supporting side. Definitely more on the supporting side. And I think he, you know, he's right where he needs to be. You know, I feel like the characters that sort of, I mean, the cream always rises to the top. And not to say that Puck is completely worthless. (laughs) I'm just saying that I think that his character... Uh, served a purpose and it sort of served out towards the end of season three and i'm fine with that you know Mm -hmm. for sure um and so let's start setting things up here uh aman what do we uh what do we know about puck we meet him in season one obviously we don't know everything about him right away but uh kind of off the bat the uh the appearance of puck the attitude that he has coming into this show what what character are we being introduced here uh, early on uh, I mean, he's the stereotypical bully, right? This is the guy that's throwing people in dumpsters, referring to anything as gay, except, you know, actually being gay, and just likes to pick on the other students. He likes to, uh, he's a bit of a womanizer. He flirts with almost every girl, every cheerleader in the school. Uh, he's your stereotypical jock, bully, badass. One of the things that I always never really associated with badassness, at least in my opinion, was the mohawk. And I know mm-hmm. that um, Matt took a, f- a few notes for us to share through this episode. And one of the trivia about one of the pieces of trivia about Puck's character is that Mark Salling, his portrayer, actually it was his suggestion to have Puck have a mohawk. And for me, growing up, I always associated mohawks with like 
um, an eclectic group of people, like rock bands and stuff like that. Um, I never really associated with with being a jock. So I remember thinking that when I was watching this back in high school, it was like, interesting. The Mohawk is an, is an interesting choice. But uh, Puck certainly makes it work for the character. And we're going to find out that it is a huge part of his identity and his status. It's a status symbol at, at his school. And uh, he's, he made it work. <laughs> Yeah, uh, it didn't seem like there was much opposition to to making it work in the first place. I mean, he was on the football team. Uh, we meet him, you know, early on. I think his first scene is throwing Kurt into a dumpster. He's slushying Rachel early on in the pilot. Uh, you know, we go over to the locker room when Will comes in to uh, to kind of recruit the football guys, and he's you know doing the armpit fart. He's like, "Oh, I, I can sing. I sound great." And then he goes up there. Oh no, actually, that's not even true. I, I wrote in my notes that it was an armpit fart, but uh, for some reason, I always thought it was. But no, I'm I'm like picturing it in my head now. It was an actual fart. Uh, this is the di- uh, di- discussion that you guys come to this uh, show for, so I'm glad I could clear that up for you. Uh, but yeah, he's, he's a class clown. He's obviously a bully. Um, definitely homophobic uh, for, for many beginning parts of the character. Uh, he's going to grow over time, and you know a lot of these negative qualities of him will start to strip away. And I think you know one of the things that I found the most compelling about when we talked about the uh, this character on the Sorting Hat episodes, when we put everybody into Hogwarts houses, uh, one of the things I came into that podcast with, I was like, no, I definitely think this guy is a Gryffindor. Like he he is he is that brave guy that stands up in front of everybody else. Like once he gets past uh, you know the the awful ways that he you know comes into the show with. He really kind of stands up for for the little guy and, you know, tries to become better than, you know, the world thinks that he is. And that's what I saw more as a Gryffindor quality. But he ended up being sorted into Slytherin. I think all three of you, Martha and Alice, were all on board with that. But I, I don't think that anybody was arguing that, like, an argument couldn't be made for both sides of things. He definitely is a character where uh, maybe we'll get down to it by the end of this discussion today of, like, is he good or is he just trying really hard to be good and can both things be, you know, be, be the case? I don't know. It's, it's, uh, it is, a, a, you know, they, they did a lot of work to, with, with the little amount that he had to uh, make something compelling here. Yeah. I mean, cause you, you don't want to fall into the same old boring old stereotypical story. So there definitely is some nuance here to the character. Um, and I, I mean, I, there are a lot of parallels between him and his brother. Um, I tend to believe that uh, the younger Puckerman is, probably a bit more uh i i think that there's a that that there actually is a natural mean streak that that noah buckerman does have um so i'm if we're revisiting for a short moment the uh the sorting hat episode i definitely think that <laughs> slytherin is a uh, is uh definitely where he needs to be and i i think we'll find many examples of why that is throughout this analysis Mm-hmm. Yeah. So like, like you said, when we meet him, he's, you know, a, a bit of a, a bully for sure. He's, uh, you know, the badass that walks around school like, uh, you know, nobody can bother him. Nobody can touch him because, I mean, that's that's the case. Uh, he's pretty much one of the top dogs. He's the one walking around with the slushies and, you know, showing everybody who's beneath him uh, that they're trash and that they're beneath him. When obviously, you know, from a viewer perspective, he's the garbage person in this and he's he's the one that's low, uh, low in life. Um, but the, the, the way that season one's going to play out is a lot of uh you know him trying to prove to everybody 
especially Quinn, uh, that, you know, that that's not the case. That's not who he is. So early on, you know, we see he's on the football team. He's uh, him and Finn are, uh, you know, definitely kind of tight. Uh, it, it looks like they're friends, but then, you know, while Finn's joining the Glee Club and, you know, Puck's not there yet, he's definitely pushing against Finn and his desire to go sing and dance rather than play football with them, you know, all hours of the day. Uh, so that's going on there. Uh, over time, we also, you know, as we, we learn more about him, Puck's also Jewish. He is, uh, you know, a terrible student. He sucks at school, which makes sense. He's got a pool cleaning business that he does on the side at 16 years old. Uh, he's really into older women. We're going to see that play out throughout. Uh, a lot of the show and the pool cleaning business really helps him, you know, with that, uh, uh, with that. Um, and then, so, you know, of course, eventually we're going to see that Puck does join the Glee Club. He, you know, says that he can sing and dance. I think he reveals that in the Acafellas episode because the guys, you know, Will and, uh, Ken and, and Sandy are all looking for, uh, more people to fill out their group and mm-hmm. Puck decides to sign up along with Finn. And, uh, you know, I want to sex you up ends up being what his debut performance. So that's, uh, that's quite the way to lead into the show or lead into the uh, musical part of the show. Yeah. So, I mean, it's interesting because uh, there seems to be this propensity from Ryan Murphy and the rest of the creators to show the humanity and everybody through their art and their love for singing and their love for performance, because of course Puck is going to, enter acapellas under the guise of wanting to well i won't necessarily call it a guise but one of the one of the reasons as to why he wants to enter acapellas is because he knows that it will will you know put him in direct uh line and access to some older women who are into him and who he's into so that's it there but he already knows that he can perform like he knows that he's a rock star so at some point he's been rocking out to this music and you know learning that he can sing and do all of this stuff before he even joins the club. So, and he's a bit more talented than Finn. And Finn is the one that at least had a few weeks in with the Glee Club at this point. So <laughs> it's interesting that, uh, you know, he, he can already do all of this stuff and he already has his talent, yet he doesn't he seem to be interested in nurturing it at all. Um, so, yeah, I mean, and I think that he's not the only uh, character that joins the New Directions that has that innate talent that is waiting to be nurtured. I don't necessarily yep. know if that's a... Uh, realistic approach to having the Glee Club. And like I said, there are people that are not necessarily that talented that join, um, i.e. Finn, at least in the dance department, that is. Um, but it's just interesting that a lot of the, the people that do end up joining, yeah, these motherfuckers are talented and they don't even know it. Or if they do know mm-hmm. it, they shy away from it. Yeah, it's a storyline that's, uh, I guess, the most similar to what we're going to see later with, like, Spencer in season six, where uh, it's just that it's it's pretty much, you know, an exact copy of, of uh, what Spencer ends up being versus what Puck was of just, no, I know I'm good at this. I know that I can, you know, rock out at home or with my friends or whatever, but uh, I'm not joining your stupid glee club. I'm on the football team. So, you know, that's how the story plays out at the beginning. But, of course, the way that uh, Puck is going to end up being led to the glee club as it's starting to grow, uh, just in buzz at least you know Finn joining the club is obviously drawing attention to it um, and it's just you know it seems like the whole school of, is kind of like oh the Glee Club like this is you know it's in a negative way but they're they're still talking about it but the way that you know of course this is all going to come to a head is as Quinn Fabray our head cheerleader is going to uh, reveal to us and to Finn of course that she is pregnant of course Puck also finds out because uh, once he finds out he realizes something uh the baby is probably his. 
she is obviously trying to tell everybody, no, the baby's Finn's or, or tell, you know, the few people that know about it, that the baby is Finn's. Uh, she wants him to be the one that takes care of everything that, that is involved with the child. Um, and, and Puck, immediately knows, you know, you did not have sex with Finn. You had sex with me and she's embarrassed about it. She's ashamed about it. She calls Puck a Lima loser, which, you know, seems to be what everybody thinks about him. But, uh, the, you know, hearing this from the person who is now carrying your child is a little bit of a different story. So he takes that pretty hard. Eventually he is going to join the Glee club, uh, to, uh, you know, he wants to be on, in Glee and him and the football guys all join together after, you know, the, the football win with Kurt's help with the single ladies of it all. But he definitely wants to be closer to Quinn. Yeah, uh, we know that Puck, we're going to find out ab- about, you know, Puck's family and how he's, you know, he's raised by his single mom. He has a little sister who's the only guy in the house. I think that learning that he um, is going to be or is a father at this point uh, is kind of it weighs on him knowing that he never really had the chance to get to know his father that well. And so of mm-hmm. course, when someone when the mother of your child is like, Oh, look, I'm pregnant, but I don't want anything to do with you. Yeah. That's going to really fuck with you. At least it's going to fuck with Finn. So um, it's going to really inspire him to, to clean up his, uh, his act. Although he's a 16 year old boy. I don't really know if there's a lot of act to be cleaning <laughs> and really should he have his entire life together when, I mean, you're not supposed to have your life together at this point. So Quinn in her almighty attitude when she was the one that got pregnant in the first place anyway, and well, they did it together, um, it really isn't that fair to him. And it's a very rough situation to be in. Um, that could have been avoided if, you know, they just hadn't had sex in the first place or at least use protection. So she she felt fat. They had a couple of wine coolers and she, you know, that's what that's what happened. So. Yeah, that's the story. Uh, but yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, uh, on the t- topic of like, you know, how much should he have his life together? Definitely not, you know, h- h- like big picture. Like he's not supposed to have figured out like what he wants to do, af- you know, for college. And after that, like they are still sophomores in high school. But it's just the fact of like, you know, he's the bully. He walks around school being the guy that nobody wants to be associated with besides his other football bros. So, you know, this is not the guy that Quinn wants to bring home to mom and dad, especially, you know, when, like you said, when we do meet Quinn's family, uh, we get to know more about them than we're we're going to see, you know, they want uh, they they want the Finn, the captain of the football team that is a nice guy, that is, you know, somebody that, you know, will come home and make a good impression and you don't have to question it rather than Puck, who uh, definitely is not th- that. Uh, you'd be worried that, you know, what's going to come out of his mouth? Uh, the What is he going to wear when he comes? Like, he's just not somebody that, you know, it's understandable why Quinn feels this way, but it's obviously a, a tricky situation uh, to unfold here because he Puck is still the father of the baby. Uh, so as Quinn, you know, continues to reject him early on, even though he's, you know, making many efforts to try uh, to to win her over to just prove himself to her. Eventually, he uh, got, also kind of gets involved with Rachel throughout this season. He it was, I think it's in episode eight. It's pretty early on where he uh, ends up at Rachel's house. They're like rehearsing. And next thing you know, they're on Rachel's bed making out. Uh, he talks to Rachel about how his mom wants him to date a nice Jewish girl, which, of course, is uh, at least I don't know about the nice part, but the Jewish girl part uh you know rachel qualifies there uh so they're making out and they kind of become a little bit of a thing and uh they they stop making out make out session puckleberry yes puckleberry uh one you know at least my contender for the number one uh ship name on the show uh you know besides for barry uh but they're making out and eventually rachel's like so i can't be with you if you 
you you you can't be man enough to sing a solo. And this is where I think we get Puck's first solo with uh, Sweet Caroline uh, over in the Glee Club. So he's in the Glee Club. He's got something going on with Rachel. But underneath it all, he still likes Quinn. She still likes Finn. And both of them are aware of this. And eventually they're going to decide, all right, maybe we need to not make this a thing with you and I. Because both of us are kind of looking in other directions. And they kind of call it off for now. Uh, and it is early on where uh, Puck gets his first gold stars from both of us. You and I both gave Puck a gold star in episode eight. So I don't exactly remember the, the the full details of why we felt, you know, like it went to him, but he did get those stars. I don't know. Does it, does it ring any bells for you? I don't, it doesn't ring too many bells. I feel like it probably had to do with the fact that there was a bit of an emotional maturity that he was exhibiting right then and there with being able to be like, look, I am like, I mean, Rachel's the impetus for it, right? She's the one that's like, I know that you're in love with Quinn. I know that I'm in love with Finn. So maybe we should just end things here. But at the same time, he does go along with it. And he doesn't go to his usual uh, womanizing ways. It's more like, yeah, I think I remember. Yeah, I think I remember this now. I feel like I was like, at least he didn't. It wasn't like the motivation wasn't like, I'm just going to go and get some ass just for the sake of getting some ass. It was more like, well, my mom wants me to be with a Jewish girl anyway. Plus, Quinn isn't really trying to be with me so maybe i should just go out and do something else and then when rachel breaks it off he doesn't like go back to being an asshole he's just like more upset and so i feel like i i feel like there was like some growth that happened there Mm -hmm. um and yeah i just i i liked that shift in tone for his character yeah, that was also a uh, I, I actually rewatched that episode uh, somewhat recently, which is why it's kind of top of mind, even though I still couldn't come up with a rationale for the star. But I think that was a uh, a Will and uh, Emma and Kentanaka heavy episode. So as far as the kids go, uh, you know, I, I wasn't about to give a star into that that mess. So as far as the kids go, it was really just kind of Puck and Rachel and, uh, you know, not much else going on. So uh, he was probably uh, advantaged by limited options in that episode anyway, but uh, definitely makes sense of what you're all saying about, you know, what, what that all could have been about. But yeah, he's going to continue to try uh, to, to prove himself to Quinn. He ends up at one point, you know, with that $18 that he gives her because Finn's not giving her anything towards the baby. And uh, he's really trying to prove himself. He makes those weed cupcakes to sell at the bake sale, ends up, you know, stealing the money to give to Quinn, which she doesn't take. And he ends up eventually giving to Will uh, from the bake sale. So, uh, you know, even through that small kind of ridiculous storyline, it shows you that, you know, he is trying, but his methods are pretty awful to get there. You know, he wants to help Quinn and he's like, here, I'm doing something for you. But it's like, you're also taking money that was supposed to be used for this handicapped uh, person in your club to get on a bus and go to a sectionals performance. So uh, his methods are not great. Um, before we get to, you know, the midpoint of the season, eventually he's going to uh, actually tell Mercedes about everything going on and tell Mercedes that he's actually the father of the baby and not Finn. But Mercedes tells him he's got to pretty much just deal with it because Quinn chose Finn and uh, there's nothing he can do about it, which I always found that to be a little harsh, uh, just a little bit. You know, he's he's a confiding little, in Mercedes about lot. this. Yeah, and he, she's just like, well, sorry, it's not your baby anymore. It's like, no, that's definitely still his baby. Yeah, yeah. I, I remember not liking this from Mercedes' character either. I was kind of pissed off with the writers for this too because she had been so in the background for this entire time. Um, and then all of a sudden, like the main p- like piece of drama that she gets outside of her thing with Kurt is telling Puck that he needs to stay away. I was like, it just seemed so out of character for her, but I guess we'll get to that when we talk about Mercedes. Um <laughs> Yeah, I, uh, I I felt for Puck here because he has all of these people that are already thinking the worst of him anyway, right? They already think that he's just like this lima loser, that he 
Um, he, he's just not a good person. And then when he does everything in his power that he knows how to, at least, may, there, may it be misguided, to become a better person and to prove to Quinn, um, who's the top authority in this case right now, that he can be a better person, he can be involved in this child's life, he still is met with derision from people that don't even know the half of it. And when you do include them in on the conversation, and then you're like, you try and be as honest as possible, you're still met with this, like, stonewall. Like, it's like, well, she chose Finn, so you're out. And it's like, why, though? And first of all, and, and why do this to Finn? I mean, it's already fucked that he did it to Finn in the first place. And now you're going to make Finn throw his life away for a child that's not his? It just doesn't mm-hmm. make, it just, it, it's just not a good position to be in at all. Yeah, and it's like, not, you know, this point is just still so early on. It's not like any of these people are really considering each other friends at this point. Maybe the, like, original crew is kind of on that page. You know, the Tina's and Mercedes and Kurtz and maybe a little bit of Rachel. But, like, nobody owes Puck anything at this point. Nobody feels any kind of, like, you know, requirement to, like, be a good friend to him or to kind of have his back and give him good advice. Like, you know, he's still he's still Puck. He's still, you know, he joined the Glee Club. That's great and all. But uh, we have a ways to go before we actually, you know, feel good about, you know, everybody around us and you know making sure that we're all best friends and whatnot so uh you know while it does seem out of character for mercedes i'm not, not surprised i guess is uh what i'm trying to say but uh as as we end up moving on towards sectionals and you know kind of uh getting there of course uh puck and quinn uh are going to continue on they end up babysitting for kendra's kids which goes well and kind of brings them a little closer together but then you know two steps forward five steps backwards because puck was sexting with santana the whole time so uh quinn of course uh, confronts him about it he is like well i am a guy and i need action and uh, you won't let me yep. touch you so this is the slytherin part it's like underneath all of that you are still holding certain um things higher than they need to be and it's okay to want to be to have sex i'm not trying to slut shame anybody here but don't tell someone one thing and then do the opposite you know it's just not it's not right. okay it's not okay and you are i mean you already i mean Look, it was the both of their decision to, sl- to lie down with one another. Something tells me that it was Puck that was probably the main aggressor. I feel like those wine coolers did not come from Quinn. I feel like alcohol like that is probably not something that Quinn has on her person on the regular. So it seemed like y'all already, I mean, you already pressured her into it once. It resulted in another human life. And now you're trying to do it again. Granted, Quinn can't get pregnant again. But that's not the point. <laughs> it's like... So, yeah, it's just it just was not a good a good look for him. And it really was a bit of a bait and switch, not only for Quinn, but for the viewers as well, because my ass, my naive ass. I remember sitting here watching this for the first time and thinking, oh, my goodness, Puck is going to actually, you know, this might actually work. And then no. And then <laughs> Santana de- debuts pr- essentially for the first time as like right. uh, one of the first glimpses of Santana that we see. And she's like, no, nah, bitch, like he was you know, sending me pictures or I was sending him pictures all night and, uh, you know, he was responding with what he was responding with. And, you know, she checks his phone and, you know, story checks out. So, uh, Quinn's obviously upset about this. Understandably, she changes her mind because that, you know, before that she was starting to think like maybe if Puck is, you know, maybe like between like everything with Finn and then if Puck is like not an awful person, you know, maybe she will keep the baby. But then by the end of this, she's like, no, I can't do this. Uh, everything is too messy. And she decides to revert back th- to the decision to give up the baby. Um, eventually, everyone's going to find out the truth about the Puck and Finn situation. Everyone's going to find out that Finn is not the father of this baby, which, of course, upsets him to a very uh, strong extent. He comes after Puck about it. They end up, I think, fighting in the in the choir 
lawyer room. He's going to quit the Glee Club, of course. He wants nothing to do with any of them anymore because this is so uh, awful. And, you know, we'll get to Finn's podcast when we get to there, but understandably so that he's upset about this. Um, he, you know, Puck is going to continue trying to offer support to Quinn. She's not having any of it. Uh, they eventually, you know, uh, Puck, Puck tries to make peace with Finn after sectionals is all said and done. You know, Finn does come back for the performance there, but you know, it's really not happening here. We're going into the break, you know, after episode 13 of season one. So you got to have some kind of mystery as to what's going to happen in the remainder of the season. Will Puck and Finn become friends again? Will Quinn and Puck make it? Will Quinn want to keep Finn as the guy by her side, you know, who knows, mm-hmm. um, yeah. you know, in the actual timeline of all this, this is when Quinn is going to end up moving into Puck's house uh, because we know that, you know, she's not welcomed at her home anymore. She was staying at Finn's house because uh, of everything that happened with uh, Finn singing, you're having my baby. So now she's going to end up jumping over to Puck's house. And uh, that's where we lie after the first half of the season. And uh, the second half is going to go a little bit faster as we accelerate towards uh, the actual birth of the baby. Yeah, um, that's like the the bulk of the. Uh, I mean, that was the, the, season one is largely predicated on two things, right? The birth, like um, the the reveal of you know Quinn's baby's father, as well as uh, Terry's fake pregnancy, and then once both of those things sort of like reach a reach a climax, um, things sort of like yeah, like you said, accelerate towards the end. Um, but I mean, it's it. It sucks to see Finn have to go through this. Um, I think that it was very naive on on Puck's part to think that this would be something that they could get over immediately, even in the midst of the Glee Club. And not to say that Puck really even cares about fixing things with Puck or fix, fixing things with Finn for the sake of the Glee Club. He only just cares about um, having things go back to normal, right? It's like yeah. he tried the things with Quinn. And then when Quinn wasn't, like, giving him what he wanted, he was, like, searching for some normalcy. And that normalcy was Santana, you know, still, you know, up in his Playboy-esque ways. And now that the 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 news is out, now he wants to be able to have his best bro with him to support him through what I'm guessing he is thinking is going to be fatherhood. And it's, like, why would you expect for Finn to, to like, you slept with his girlfriend, got her pregnant, then lied about it. Like, it's... Yeah, it's really, really bad. <laughs> and for yeah. him to be at sectionals, like, come on, bro, come on, let's do it, let's do this. We're we're still fam, right? No, bitch. Like, are you crazy? <laughs> are you crazy? Yeah, that's it's 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 the whole thing of like him continuing this battle within himself of trying to like you know try trying to be the good person, but again, with the methods that he has to get there are all terrible, and and everything that he is trying to make these relationships better, it's like. He, he's not there yet. Like we, we can see very clearly that his intentions are mostly good, but the, you know, it's like, like he has no, no, no concept of how like genuine relationships work. He's never had one in his life, whether it be a genuine friendship. Uh, like, I don't know what his relationship is exactly with his mom here, but you know, he doesn't have the dad uh, around. He doesn't, you know, it doesn't seem like any of the football guys are his BFFs. Him and Finn were the closest that, you know, that, that he had, but it wasn't any kind of like, you know, like, you know, your best friend in high school. It wasn't like that where you can kind of open up about things and, you know, and kind of bounce off of each other to see how a relationship, a friendship works. So, you know, he's trying to navigate that now that everything is amped up like times 100 and it's obviously not working for him. Uh, it's not working for him, you know, both with these relationships within his own life, but also within the school. Uh, as the season goes on, we get to, uh, closer and closer to uh, regionals. Puck is going to end up losing the Mohawk. So, you know, we kind of, uh, I guess, switch up the look here, see how fans react 
react to uh, a different looking Puckerman. Uh, he's going to end up, you know, pretty much losing all the popularity that he had gained uh, pretty quickly. He gets tossed into a dumpster at one point by JBI and all the nerds, which obviously is uh, a very big change from where he was early on in the season. And uh, now that he's on the bottom of the school and Mercedes and Kurt are both Cheerios and kind of on top of the school in a very strange, uh, you know, flip of, of things here, uh, he ends up starting to like fall for Mercedes. Mercedes, remember, like goes to Quinn asking for like permission to uh, potentially be into him or whatever it was. We get the lady is a tramp, of course, a great performance. And uh, by the end of all of that, you know, he gets popular again. Mercedes quits the Cheerios. That, that doesn't last too long. So, you know, you kind of can keep an eye on the Mercedes thing, the Rachel thing all throughout the season while, you know, while Quinn is dealing with what Quinn is dealing with. And, you know, it's not going to be Quinn and Puck every step of the way. So Puck has some other detours along the way. Uh, but once they do come back together towards the end, uh, he, of course, wants to name the baby Jackie Daniels. And that doesn't go over well with her. But uh, he's going to then sing Beth, uh, which is going to definitely go over better. Uh, he gets permission to be there for the baby's birth. And ultimately, episode 22, season one, uh, Quinn gives birth. Puck is indeed there for it. And uh, baby Beth is going to end up going to live with, <laughs> live with, uh, get adopted by Shelby. And, uh, and that's that. Yep. That baby is out the way. And thank the Lord, because they were a hot mess all fucking season. So I, um... I think that uh, that baby would be far better suited uh, in, a, in, a, in a home that is able to take care of it, both emotionally and financially. So mm -hmm. um, it was, I mean, consider this a bit of a trial run, I guess, right? Like you guys made a pretty bad decision. You got off. I won't say scot-free because there's still like a, a lot of psychological trauma that you go through, especially on Quinn's part being the one that ultimately carried the baby to term. Um but I think that the two of them uh, were able to recognize, at least Puck was able to recognize that he did actually have love for Quinn, um, even though he didn't necessarily make the best decisions throughout this season to show that. Um, but I mean, it, it's, it's at least growth there because we see we see that one layer of his stereotype to be shed, right? Like it's no longer, oh, he's just the womanizing asshole. It's like, oh, Puck is actually able to recognize when he has real feelings for someone and to have some sort of like ounce of devotion to them. And I think witnessing the birth of his child is like, that kind of changes you as a person. I feel like you, that's the ultimate sacrifice, right? It's like, you know, mm -hmm. learning how to give a shit about somebody else other than yourself. So um, I think that was his, his biggest piece of growth for season one. Yeah, and while it obviously didn't work out the best with, uh, you know, it, it, they didn't come to a place where they felt like, yes, we can keep this baby and the two of us can raise it. You know, uh, I, I don't think that many people in their lives were advising them that that would be the best course of action to, to go forward from here. Uh, and that's obviously, you know, going to lead Quinn to saying, yes, I, I want to give the baby up for adoption to Shelby. Uh, but, you know. While, while that doesn't exactly work out the way that I guess he was thinking it could with him, you know, putting himself in the position to be the father that he never had, he does make a, a big stride throughout the season by the end of it. You know, him and Quinn are together in that hospital room uh, and she asks him, like, did you or did you love me? And he says, yes, I, I do. And, you know, it seems like she believes him. Uh, there's no reason for her not to at this point. He has been proving himself all season to her to be like, I want to be here for you. I do care about you. And, you know, she's checking she, kind of like she, I think she believes that 
that this is all genuine, but she just kind of checks one more time before all is said and done. He's like, yeah, no, I, I, I do like you. I am, you know, I'm doing all this for you. I'm here for the, the birth of this child to be here and support you. And, you know, we're about to give it up for adoption. Uh, I'm not, you know, he's not putting any resistance on it. So uh, that, you know, as we track the two of their relationship going all the way towards the end of the show, especially as season two is going to begin and they're not going to be together anymore in season two, they're not going to be together for the entirety of season two. So, you know, seeing how things are as we leave them off here in season one, I think is definitely important to flag up. So uh, they do seem to like each other. So there's that. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Any final thoughts on season one? It was a good inaugural season for his character. I liked it. All right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yep. So uh, moving into season two, yeah, like I said, they are uh, Puck and Quinn not together. He's also not very present in the early part of the season. Like they really don't have much for him to do, which also yeah, this was you know, the part where we were thinking it has something to do with him trying to sell music. Mark Sally. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, he's out of two episodes. He's out of episodes four and five uh, duets and uh, Rocky Horror. Uh, so, you know, as well, we talked about this, you know, the, there could have been outside reasons for what was going on there. But also, as far as in the storyline goes, Sam and Quinn had started to get together. Rachel and Finn, of course, are picking up where they left off and their you know, stuff is going on there. So there's nobody really for Puck to attach himself to here. So it wasn't too yeah, surprising he... that he was kind of not in there much. Yeah, um, I, I remember feeling bad. When we started covering the beginning of season two, for not even remembering that he was gone, <laughs> it was just like <laughs> yeah. because they distract you with with Sam, right? Sam is the new kid on the block. He's mm-hmm. he's cute. He's got blue eyes and 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 blonde Justin Bieber hair, and all the girls and the gays love him, and he can actually sing too, and he's moderately kind and kind of corny and funny. Like so, I just completely forgot about Puck. Um, and you know what they do with him to reintroduce his character um i think is is quite interesting he's supposedly gone because he drove he stole his mother's car and drove it through uh what was it a 7-eleven or tried to drive away yeah so he like attached it to an atm right and then tried to steal the atm or whatever yeah that's uh it's like damn it's like how do you go he was like he was on the up and up y'all like Mm -hmm. he was he he just had a, a baby it made a very adult decision in giving it up to a loving to a loving woman, and then the next thing you know, he's spending the summer trying to rob ATMs. It's like, god damn, like he really was not ready. For, I mean, the baby's gone, Puck. Like you don't have to give Quinn money anymore, right? Like we, <laughs> that, that, that's we we decided that, right? Like I, it's just crazy. Yeah. And look, he's it's it's going to be the same thing for not just him, for a bunch of other characters, you know, notably somebody like Rachel, who every time you think that you're getting somewhere with them by the end of a season, by the end of a midpoint of a season, you get back and it's like, oh, wait, no, this is still terrible. So uh, we start we kind of, you know, reset things in season two. But it's it's you know, when you if you start with the growth that that character had, it's like then you're kind of already at the conclusion. You got to, you know, kind of set everybody back a little bit. It's why it took Emma and Will so long to get married. You got to kind of give it, give the audience reason to get invested in them again, I guess. So I guess that's what they were going for. So, yeah, uh, you know, of course, we get our JBI, uh, you know, update who is going to tell us that, you know, Quinn dumped Puck over the summer. Uh, Puck says that he used his pool cleaning money to get a vasectomy. So note that for uh, something that's going to come up later in season three. Um, and. 
And uh, yeah, so not much early on. He goes to Juvie and uh, there's a little bit early, I guess, where, uh, you know, in the first eight episodes, the, the only significant thing, I guess, to note about Puck is that he has this little arc where he becomes friends with Artie. Uh, he needs to do community service after he gets out of Juvie. And he thinks that becoming friends with the crippled kid, he, as he says, is uh, the way that he will, you know, do his community service. Uh, things obviously like Artie picks up on what's going on here. Eventually, uh, I think Puck is going to get like in trouble and said uh, they're going to be like, this is not community service. You actually have to go out there, pick up trash on the highway. Like, what do you think you're doing? And Artie, Artie's going to be a good friend here because I guess Artie also doesn't have much to do. So uh, as these two become friends, Artie's like, well, I'll help you with school and with everything, you know, that you need help with as long as you actually do your community service and, you know, get get you back on the right track. So that's really all that we have going on up until uh, up until the, the middle of the season or so around episode nine when uh, somebody special is going to come along. And uh, join the Glee Club. Uh, Kurt, Kurt's on his way out. Kurt is uh, heading over to Dalton after you know that everything with with Kurt and Karofsky go down, and uh, Puck has to find a new person to join the Glee Club. Yeah, Will is going to task him with uh, uh, replacing Kurt, and he goes to ask a bunch of the football guys to help him. And of course, that's just not going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> um, and. Uh, they're gonna, you know, of course, tease him about it, throw him in the porta potty, and who should save him after, you know? And he's decided to just lay there because he feels like he's just broken, right? Like he's like, I'm a shell of who I used to be. Like I used to run this school, and now I'm just a mess. And then uh, Lauren Zeises makes her appearance and saves him from his porta potty prison. Yes, Queen Lauren Zeises comes to save the day for Puck. And uh, next thing you know, Lauren's in Glee Club. So, uh, you know, not I, I don't think that's what any of them were expecting uh, Puck to bring back. Uh, you know, that's who any of them were expecting Puck to bring back with him. Uh, I'm sure Will certainly expected some football player, uh, especially, you know, they lost Kurt. They lost a the guy. So they probably were like more than convinced that Puck was going to find some other singing or dancing football player. But no, Lauren Zeises comes back, who, I mean, does end up becoming a football player for one episode but that's besides the point True. um so that's that so lauren's around and of course season two is going to be very heavily for puck around his uh i wouldn't call it a relationship exactly his his connection with uh with lauren as that all develops so would, that's really what he a relationship. has going on. i would call it a relationship i mean lauren is definitely um averse to any kind of labels she wants to take things slow but there's definitely a mutual attraction there even though she doesn't want to admit it most of the time she knows that she's into puck she knows but um he and he definitely knows i just think that uh she's not used to this uh kind of attention especially from a guy that is supposed to be in all sense of sense of the word a badass like she is so i feel like um she kind of like gets off on watching him crawl and beg and yeah yeah it's it's a this is a lot of fun this is probably one of my favorite couples in the entire series not not everything is uh forgotten though about you know while he goes on this adventure I guess I would call it with uh, with Lauren. Some might call it a relationship I don't know it's 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 quite the journey uh but he still is you know there's a little bit Yes. Uh, there still is a little bit going on with, you know, with Rachel and Finn, that connection that he had with Rachel last year, still kind of there. Uh, there's a point in early on in the season in uh, season two, episode nine, where he almost sleeps with Rachel because Rachel's Rachel's having a hard time dealing with the Finn and Santana thing from last year. Finn lied about the fact that they, you know, d he said they didn't have sex, but they did. Uh, Rachel's upset and she wants to, I guess, you know, kind of take it out by, you know, just 
getting it on with Puck. Uh, but Puck doesn't want to ruin his friendship with Finn again, so he's going to not go through with that, even though, you know, it comes close. And he's still, you know, that idea of having the Jewish girl in his life, I'm sure, would still be happy, uh, ple- pleasing to mom, who I'm sure is not very happy with him right now after he just uh, got out of juvie, but, you know, is what it is. So he's trying to make up with Finn. Uh, he apologizes to Finn for kissing Rachel. Uh, he's also trying to make sure that he and Rachel are good. So he's trying to cover all of his bases on that end as we see <laughs> the <Big> full. <laughs> yes. Uh, as we see the full shift of Puck beginning to try to win over Lauren's affection. Uh, as mentioned, she is playing super hard to get. He sings to her fat bottom girls uh, to, to try to win her over, but she hated that. Uh, the, the audience didn't hate it as much. Uh, you know, spoiler alert for the song rankings we'll get to in a little bit. Not that it was, you know, number one, uh, but just, you know, got, got some good grades. Um, we see that she didn't like that very much. And yeah, like you said, uh, he he likes her because she is a bigger badass than he is. And uh, he's like, this is, you are, you are the girl for me. Uh, she agrees to end up going on, on like a friend date with him. But over time, of course, we see that he's going to eventually win her over. And, you know, she lets down her wall, her guard. Uh, the two of them at one point want to make a sex tape. It goes that deep with those two. Oh, that's not good wording. Uh, but oh, it's wow. Wanky. Wow. It's, uh, it becomes that serious between those two. Uh, of course, Holly Holiday is going to save the day and shut them down and, you know, tell them that they're underage and they should probably not make a sex tape. Uh, so Puck joins the celibacy club to set himself straight. But uh, all the while, you know, we got we got uh, fat bottom girls. We got big ass heart. We got a lot of Puck trying to serenade Lauren and uh, a lot of it working. So that's uh, Pisces for you. Yeah, this um, I mean, he's this is pretty much his entire arc in season two, right? Is his infatuation with Lauren, and like I said at the end of season one, he sort of like broke that barrier of learning how to actually give a damn about somebody else. And while this might be a bit too heavy-handed <laughs> in that direction, as opposed to like being the womanizer in season one, now he's like completely just obsessed with one woman. Yeah, I mean, it's certainly growth, but it's certainly more comedic than it is um that it is serious, I think, at least from a writing standpoint. I think that they they had a lot of fun in showing uh, Puck be in all senses of the word opposite of what you would expect him to be this season. But I think that it's still very charming. I thought that the relationship was fun and interesting and fresh. Um, I definitely enjoyed watching them more than, than the, like, I, I, I definitely wanted to see more of this content then fucking Finn and Rachel fighting on and off oh, yeah. every now and then. Oh, yeah. And then the whole thing with Quinn and Finn again, that was so stupid. Um, and I guess the only other relationship that was even worthy of, you know, even paying attention to was Brittany and Santana. And I guess if you give a damn, Emma and Will. So, yeah, this was a lot of fun for me. Yeah, uh, they're going to end up going to prom together where, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> they don't win prom king and queen as uh, Lauren was hoping for, as, uh, you know, she went on her entire campaign to, uh, to, to Quinn. I don't think we're really going to get that Lauren Zaycee's character, uh, deep dive. So, um, as, as much as it saddens me, but that would be a very short podcast. So, uh, you know, we're kind of talking about Lauren anytime that she comes up and, you know, kind of covering what, what she has going on, but it really is just kind of tied to puck here in, uh, in season two. Uh, we, you know, when we eventually get to New York, they are uh, together off at the bar. Remember when we are like at the hotel and the two of them are just sneak off. So, you know, there's not much conclusion or anything to the two of them. We're going to see in season three, that they end up not working out as Lauren quits the Glee Club. But uh, here in season two, they do kind of tie them together throughout the entire way. You know, Quinn's off with Sam. Quinn is, you know, the the blonde connection is really winning over fans' hearts. So that's happening there. And then eventually Quinn is, you know, kind of 
reverting back into the Finn and Rachel love triangle. So she's really distracted by all that. So, uh, you know, they had a good thing going with Puck and Lauren. So I'm glad that they, you know, kept them separated. But you still would have, you know, it, it wouldn't have hurt them to give us like one Puck and Quinn scene. I guess they couldn't have predicted that they were going to, you know, keep them as endgame all the way throughout and see how season three is going to end up playing out. But it would have been nice to see them interact like, you know, here and there. I don't know. We, we didn't get much, but... Uh, that's pretty much season two. Just a lot of Puck, a lot of Lauren, uh, an unsuccessful uh, time spiking the punch with Artie at prom. But uh, that's that's that season two. I wish we got to see, and this is a bit more of a, a point on um, Artie's character. I wish we got to see a little bit more of the uh, of the evolution of Puck and, and Artie, a party, because um, we don't really get to see Puck form a lot of friendships outside of Finn. Um, and we did get to see them at least come together a little bit towards the end of season two. Um, and I, I did sort of like this Puck and Artie dynamic, but we only we only really get a couple episodes with them. And both of them are Puck trying to influence Artie to do something bad and <laughs> and Artie being like, oh, you know what? No, fuck that. Um, and then we don't really see any of that ever again. So that's the one thing that I wish that we could have seen a bit more is just to see Puck actually have more relationships other than Quinn, Finn, yeah. Lauren. Yeah, it's it's definitely, you know, that friendship and a lot of things that happened in Artie's storylines before season like three, four or so uh, are really just kind of like out of convenience, like him and Brittany mm-hmm. as much, you know, we'll, we'll get into that when we talk about those two. But uh, it was kind of like, you know, those characters didn't have much to do. And it was really, you know, a, a way for them to bounce the Brittany stuff off of, you know, off of Artie into what happens with Santana. And the same thing with Puck. It's really just kind of like sticking him with Artie until he has more space to grow and find his way into like, you know, the relationship with Lauren. Like, like the thing with Puck is like you said, he's the womanizer. Like you want him in storylines where it's about him being with, a, being with, a, you know, one of the, the girls on the show. So, you know, the Artie thing wasn't going to last long, but I absolutely agree with that. Uh, would have been nice to see more. Uh, season three, season three, as we get started, like I said, Lauren is gone from the new directions. We do get to see a scene of her breaking up with Puck. Puck was ruining her reputation and not Puck. Glee Club was ruining her reputation. Maybe Puck was as well. Uh, so she is uh, heading out and going off to the too young to be bitter club for the rest of her time at McKinley. Um, but the uh, bigger story here is that Shelby Corcoran is back at uh, McKinley. She's back in Ohio. And of course, with Shelby comes baby Beth. So while we went an entire season without much talk about Beth at all, uh, Puck and probably, Quinn are both going to uh, find their way back to Shelby. I can't get over the fact that, like in season one, when they were talking about what they wanted to name that baby, Puck said Beth. <laughs> like, I mean, Jackie Daniels was an option. It's just such a weird... Not Elizabeth, not Liz, Beth. Beth. <laughs> like, Yes, a baby that was born in the year 2010, I believe. Yeah. Yes, 2010. 2010. Wow, Beth is 10 years old right now. I know. Good for her. She's, Hopefully uh, she's not still in Lima somewhere. Oh, <laughs> I mean, well, I guess, she, I guess she'd be in New York City with Shelby. So. Yeah. Wow. 10 years old. I feel like she would be older. Uh, okay. Well, that's that. Uh, but Beth is back at, uh, at this young age. You know, this is still... Uh, season three. She's uh, back in Ohio with Shelby and uh, Puck and Quinn would like to see Beth. They now that, uh, you know, she's back in the area and, you know, they're both 
two, uh, what, a full year or so older than they were. They both think that they're in a better place, even though Quinn's definitely not in a better place. But uh, either way, she is determined uh, to to get Beth back, to get custody of Beth back. Uh, you know, I'm kind of like making it a little bit, uh, I'm minimizing it a little bit here. But uh, we already did the Quinn podcast where we talked about everything that happens with her at the beginning of the season. Yeah. Puck, you know, Puck's approach here is a lot more calm, cool and collected. And that's why it works better for him. Yeah, uh, he's. Uh, I, I think that he's very interested in, uh, like we said, we know his motivation because of his own dad, right? So the fact that his daughter, his birth daughter, is within reach, I think, is very sobering for him. And he only got to see her when she was a newborn. Now he can see her as, like, this fully realized human being that can actually say a few words, can look at him... He can talk to her. She can talk back to him. Like it's, it's real. Like it's like this is like, and, it, and she looks like him. She's got the big dopey smile that, like Shelby said. So it's like, damn. Like I made that. I did that. Like that's it's probably one of the the greatest creations he's ever had, and he probably will ever have in his life. Yeah. And I think that he realizes the gravity of that. So absolutely, yeah. Uh, it's you know that that it weighs on both of them at the beginning of season three because they're both getting to you know the end of their time in high school and they're thinking about what's next and they they're looking back both of them and they're like actually we already did kind of do something pretty spectacular we created another human uh, but they have nothing to show for it essentially because. They gave the baby up for adoption. So Quinn especially, but both of them are feeling, you know, a little bit down about that early on because they, they want to, you know, see if there's a way to go back and change that and be more involved in her life. You know, Puck in a more uh, in a much different way than the way that Quinn goes about it. So he's going to end up popping up at Shelby's house one day. He's telling her that he's been really good. You know, no drugs, no alcohol. He wants to clean himself up and make sure he's good to be around the baby. Uh, you know, he even drew Beth a picture. Uh, he ends up telling Qu- Quinn about, you know, he's like, everything is great there. You know, Qu- Beth looks great. She's fantastic. Like, you should clean yourself up a little bit from this look you got going on and maybe, you know, get back in glee, come back to being like your old self and we can potentially, you know, both spend more time with Beth. Uh, I gave Puck uh, his next gold star here in episode two, uh, or yeah, I think it's episode two of the season because he really does seem to be making strides in in order to, you know, be a better version of himself yet again to try to get back into Beth's life. And, you know, just the the contrast of uh, his method versus Quinn's method, I think is what stood out to me there. So that's where he got the gold star. Um, but things are going to get a little messy because, uh, of course, they're going to get the uh, okay to babysit Beth one night. And Quinn is going to uh, further her plan here where she places things all around the apartment to uh, try and frame Shelby. Yeah, this is um, such a misguided approach from from Quinn. And it's her trying to regain control in a life that she feels like she doesn't have control over anymore. And um, Puck, you know, doesn't necessarily experience that trauma in the same way that she did. So that's why I feel like he's able to um, be a lot more relaxed. And the fact that he is developing this relationship with Shelby, it's like and now he is he's he's in this tough position of having to manage two emotions, three emotions, right? The emotions of Quinn, the emotions of Shelby, and now the emotions of this precious baby that's in the middle of all this fuckery that she probably could have escaped had Shelby not brought her ass back here. <laughs> so, um, yeah, uh, I, this is um, a moment of growth again for Puck, right? Like him realizing that this is not the way to, to go about this, having to to put his feelings aside. Because, of course, I feel like if he could snap his fingers, of course he would want to be able to have custody of his child. 
be with Quinn, they would be in a good spot financially, emotionally, mentally able to take care of this child. Of course, I have no doubt in my mind that that was that's what Puck would want. But he knows that they ain't got it like that. And Quinn is a mess. This girl is a mess. She looks like a fucking rat. Her hair is all dyed blue or whatever the hell. She's smoking cigarettes under the bleachers with people that eat cat poop. Like, the girl is a mess. Okay? And she's not the Quinn that you got drunk with and had uh, a night in the hot tub. Like, that's just not how it happens Mm -hmm. anymore. So, yeah. I'm glad that he was able to know that. And and with the way that Quinn is, you know, going about life right now and with the fact of everything you just said about, you know, the way that Puck is going about this to be like, all right, well, if I want to be involved in Beth's life uh, and, you know, the the way, you know, she's obviously, you know, now she's, you know, living with Shelby, you know, that's that's her adopted mother. That's, you know, the life that she has now. Uh, he looks to this in a different perspective and thinks, hmm. Maybe I can be the daddy here and uh, step in in the actual role uh, by, you know, getting Shelby to be uh, something with him. Uh, this You know, I think it's episode five or so or uh, no, maybe sorry, episode four. Really important uh, where he's going to end up trying to uh, get a kiss from Shelby as, you know, they're really, they're spending a lot of time together. He's trying to really prove to her that he can be there. You know, she's like talking all about how uh, she really wants to have these moments of sharing things of Beth's life with somebody who loves Beth just as much as she does. And there's really no nobody else out there besides Puck and Quinn that qualify in that category. And Puck is here doing his best to be like, I'm, I really want to be here, blah, blah, blah. And he's also doing a lot of work on the seducing end of things to, uh, you know, the, this is where we end up. So they share a kiss and that's how that goes. And then as the season's going to continue to go on in these next couple episodes, he's going to, you know, pretty much fall head over heels for Shelby. He tells her that he's in love with her because she's hot and he's hot and Beth needs a dad. Uh, she's going to, you know, turn him away, but he insists. He's like, it's going to happen eventually. You know it. So uh, this is where we start to get hot for teacher. And um, Aman, you gave Puck a gold star in episode six. And everything that I just described essentially was from episode six. Tell me, please tell me you remember where this star came from. I don't. I, okay. This, the, the kiss could not have happened in episode six. It just couldn't No, this, the kiss was episode four. Uh, Hot for teacher and all this stuff, I believe, was episode six with uh, him, you know, insisting to Shelby that they're going to do something. They're going to be together in, in some way eventually. Well, I mean, I, I don't remember. I, I feel like I had to have a good reason through all of this. Um. I, 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 I can't remember. I would have to <laughs> know exactly what happened in episode six. <laughs> I, I mean, the, uh, the, the that was the majority of it from uh, the notes that uh, we have here, but uh, not, not the most important. It's just, I mean, overall in this, uh, yeah, I'm sure he like said something or showed you a certain action that kind of clicked. And I think I you think, also kind of made... Go ahead. I think it probably had to do with more the fact that I was placing more of the blame of the situation on Shelby than I was on mm-hmm. Puck. Because, I mean, he, she's the adult in the situation. Sure, he's 18, but he's not an adult. Um, and I I saw him wanting to prove that he could be this, this good father figure for Beth, and he cleaned his act up, and he's getting better grades, and he abstained from drugs and alcohol. And, you know, he, he also did not let Quinn do all of this scheming and getting the baby taken away. And it seemed that he really gave a damn about that baby um, as opposed to just himself. And yeah, he's getting a little bit of, he's getting something for himself as well because he's clearly falling for Shelby, but 
it didn't see it, he didn't come like i said he doesn't come with that season one energy for the situation it's more um i i don't i want to be involved in this child's life so let me let me give me a chance you know mm-hmm what happens next is when he gets the call from Shelby at one point to uh, come to the emergency room because Beth fell or at least to, you know, try to work this out together. And he shows up and he remember he's like talking to the doctor and he's like, uh, this is, you know, I want you to do this. I want you to do that. I want you to take an x-ray, this and all this stuff. And he like completely takes control of the situation. She is like so grateful to him for all of that. So that's why I'm like slightly wondering if maybe that was episode six, but I'm not going to sit here and, you know, go do all that research to figure it out. But it wouldn't make sense if that was where a star might have come from. But uh, either way, by the time that this is all said and done, he and Shelby are going to finally end up sleeping together. Uh, she's obviously a, a little bit ashamed of it afterwards. She's like, all right, no, that was that was not a good idea. You have to go. He's not happy with this. He's like, you're really going to let that happen and then tell me I have to leave. Like, you're serious, right? Like that, like doesn't go over very well with him. Uh, eventually, Puck and Quinn are going to continue you know, the, the whole time. They've kind of they've been connecting uh quinn notices that puck is kind of slipping away from her and you know she very much does see that uh he's got this crush on shelby they end up back at quinn's place making out at one point so uh you know now that shelby is you know shelby got you know had her fun with puck told him to leave and now puck's like you know switching course back to quinn uh while they're making out quinn and puck we get this part where quinn wants uh to get pregnant again and she's like Puck's like, well, I don't have a condom and they're about to do it. And Quinn's like, no, it's fine. It's fine. If it happens again, it happens again. Like we can right our wrongs. We can, if you know, human you know, life happens again, then human life happens again. <laughs> Just crazy. And this is the point I was talking about earlier. Like he did get a vasectomy uh, continuity, but you know, is what it is. Oh, wait, so, were we supposed to take that seriously? That he got that? Because is it legal to even have underage kids get vasectomies? I feel like that's illegal. I mean, yeah, Puck does a lot of things that are, are legal, right? Like, I mean, true, but I feel like those are all involving decisions of his own as opposed to like a whole medical professional agreeing to. I, I believed his... it. I was like, you know, he wants to go around and have a good time while he's young. And if he doesn't want to worry about this kind of thing happening again, I, I was like, I, I, I buy it. <laughs> I always thought that it was more like a tongue-in-cheek thing because Puck makes a lot of claims about his sexual <laughs> encounters true. and some of them were like just like outlandish. Like, what was one about having a threesome with... I forget, but it was crazy. <laughs> and luckily... Yeah, you he know, said he they, had his they... first threesome when he was like 11 or some shit. I'm like, no, you did not. <laughs> no, I don't know. I, I, you like absolutely wouldn't believe him on that? 11 no. years old? I It's Puck. It's Puck. It, I don't know. I, I, I have a hard time not believe. Like, if Rachel said that, I'd be like, oh, no, Rachel's just saying that. But, like, I don't know. It's Puck. I don't know. I, whatever. No. Uh, not important. But, uh, yeah, so he's going to end up telling Quinn, like, in this exact same scene about everything happening with Shelby. Because the two of them are coming back together here a little bit. Uh, you know, the, the season three is really going to bring these two characters back together, Puck and Quinn. After Quinn, you know, turns back into her old self. And the two of them really, you know, kind of find a comfort in each other that we haven't really seen since season one and that both of them are characters that are kind of always lost and on the outer parts of the glee club. Like they're not really connected with anybody else in the way that they can find a connection within each other. So while the two of them are kind of talking here, they're, you know, talking about their future. Uh, Puck's telling her that, you know, you're going to be the one that gets out of this town. I just know it. Like I believe in you. And uh, he's going to end up also telling her here about what happened with Shelby. 
Uh, she's not going to take that very well. She's going to end up, you know, sectionals rolls around and she goes with that whole plan to potentially get Shelby fired that she doesn't go through with, but then Shelby ends up leaving McKinley on her own. So Shelby's going to end up leaving the scene. You know, Beth, of course, is going to go with her, but we still have Quinn. We still have Puck here to uh, go through the second half of season three. Um, but this is where we are. They're trying to at least show us here as we get closer to the end of their time at McKinley that they are like, these are the two that are that, that, that have that connection. Like I said, uh, Quinn and Sam, you know, that was fun while it lasted. Lauren and, and Puck were fun while they lasted, but they're really trying to bring these two back together. Yeah. It's, um, it was, a it was a test of, uh, strength for the both of them having to deal with Puck or excuse me, with, uh, Shelby being back in town with Beth. It really put a strain on their relationship. And if they were able to come out of this um, and still be amicable amicable with one another, then it, I, this is when it really starts to cement that the two of them probably have deeper feelings for one another than we could have given them credit for to begin with. Because it's always been characterized as this relationship that was never supposed to happen. Like, they were Puck was the bad guy here. Puck was the one that betrayed Finn. He slept with his girlfriend and got her pregnant. Puck is the bad one, but no, actually, maybe the two of them were far more inclined to be with one another than than they were with any other anybody else. So, yeah, yeah, and things are gonna, you know, uh, uh, that's where they leave us here towards this early part of season three, and then as we go on, you know, we are gonna swing back around to Puck and Quinn towards the end, but in this, like, I guess, uh, second third of the season. It's it's really going to start to, you know, F- P- Puck's thing is going to start to focus in on his, you know, is he even going to graduate high school in the first place? He's telling Quinn he believes in her. She, he knows she's going to get out of here and do great things. But on his own end of things, he's always been a terrible student. And uh, that's kind of catching up with him here because he's afraid that he's not going to graduate. Uh, the New Directions at one point go around discussing what they're looking forward to in life. And, you know, all of them have these big dreams. And he's like, I just kind of want to graduate high school. So that's, that's what he's got to work on. At one point, uh, he does kind of come up with a plan. And he tells Finn about his plan that post-graduation, he wants to take his pool cleaning business to L.A. And he actually wants Finn to come with him. Finn is going to decline the offer eventually. Uh, You know, Finn has, you know, more serious plans in the Rachel category and maybe to take over the tire shop and all this other stuff that, you know, he doesn't know what he's doing, but it's not following Puck to L.A. Um, Puck is, you know, basically just like afraid of going to L.A. alone. So he wants Finn to be by his side. Um, Puck and uh, Puck's really going to start to grow closer to the boys of the new direction as senior year winds down. There's a lot of boys by now here. We have like I I could count. I would need two hands to count. You know, now that Joe is here, Rory is here, Sam, Finn, uh, Kurt and Blaine, if you can, if they were Blaine usually got counted, Kurt, not so much. Um, but you know, all the guys, uh, that, uh, Mike Chang, of course, that were in Puck's life. And he would, you know, constantly towards the end of the season, tell them like, I really like appreciate you guys always being there for me. He gives them all gifts, uh, at one point in the locker room. Uh, and then later on, as things start to play out with, you know, whether or not he's going to pass, he has them by his side. So, uh, that, that, I feel like that came out of nowhere for me, the whole, like, Puck and the boys thing. Like, I know that, like, they were friendly, but I don't know. It kind of just became a thing very quickly. Yeah, that's why, that's part of the reason why I was so upset with not, like, we didn't get to see him develop those relationships because it does feel very forced towards the end. Um, because, it, I mean, it, I mean, not to say that it wasn't endearing to see all of them rally for him, especially since he didn't really, he didn't know what he was going to do with his life. He didn't know if he was going to be able to graduate. And they're all going to come together to ensure that he does pass these, uh, these remaining classes but yeah it would have been nice to see him actually 
talk to these people along the way so that the emotional payoff is greater. But um, yeah, it does seem very forced and rushed. But um, it does. Uh, we get to the episode that uh, is, of course, titled "Choke," and that's not just about Rachel. You know, Rachel's going to be the one who chokes at her audition for Niata, but Puck also is going to, you know, have a big episode here. Uh, uh, almost a season-defining episode. He's having a hard time getting his grades, grades that he wants to, you know, get to graduate, and uh, eventually he's going to decide that he's dropping out of school. So pretty big decision here, and it, you know, kind of I feel it gets forgotten about because it gets wrapped up in the same exact episode. Uh, he ends up running into his dad. His dad's going to come back around. We meet his dad for the first time. His dad's in town to ask Puck for some money because he can't pay his rent this month. Uh, Puck is going to give him the money that his dad's asking for in hopes that he will leave and they will never have to see each other again. Uh, so that encounter that right there, you know, and, and while that's all going down, his boys are back at school making this whole like 10 step plan to go like get him back from, you know, his pool cleaning stuff. Like Artie was going to get pushed into the wheelchair, uh, uh, pushed the wheelchair, getting pushed into the pool. If you remember that plan, uh, they were working on the whole thing and eventually they don't even have to go through with it because Puck comes back to school in his own volition uh, saying that, you know, he had that encounter with his dad and essentially it made him want to graduate so that he never ends up like his dad, which, you know, understandable. So a pretty defining moment for him. So he comes back to school. The boys are going to help him study, you know, the rain in Spain of it all. Uh, and he is really appreciative of them and their help. And the only problem is, you know, the episode, it's choke. And he he does choke. He gets his test back after all that and he gets an F. So, uh, you know, going into the final three episodes of the season, Puck is told that he's not graduating. Yeah, this um is such a blow to his uh to his morale because we get this whole moment where the the boys all go to school and stay there all night to help him study and he still isn't able to pull it out. It's like god damn. We see him fail that test as Rachel is screaming in the background. Cry! Like she's just so <laughs> Wait, what is she like? Cry! <laughs> It's just so it's such a blow to the gut. Just sucks. <laughs> um, so yeah. One more time. <laughs> no, I can't do it another time. Uh, that tickled me. Yeah, um, yeah. It's a, it's a big blow. It's a big blow to him. Uh, you know, and, and going back to what we were saying at the beginning of this podcast, like the things that we were setting up about what do we know about Puck? The fact that he's a crappy student was a big part of his early on. You know, uh, of what he said early on. Remember, he, he said in one of the episodes, like I barely ever go to math class. I haven't gone in three years. So yeah, all of this was going to catch up with him when they talk about you know, or when they were thinking about you know what characters to potentially keep back a year. Uh, you know, of course, Brittany is going to fall into that category uh, because her grades are also. It's like, you know, they could have kept Puck back. They absolutely could have uh, very understandably easily kept him back. But, uh, you know, ultimately, I I think I said this at the time. I'll say it again here. I'm glad that they didn't. I'm glad that they decided to let him graduate. There was really nowhere else for his story to go. He was with Quinn. He was with Finn. Rachel, like, let him leave with that group. I'm glad he got over this last obstacle on his way out. But no need to keep him back a year. Yeah. And plus, he he didn't he wouldn't have he wouldn't have stayed back. No, he he would have been like, I'm out. Yeah, if they tried to keep him there, he would have, no, it wouldn't have happened. Um, and where I feel like Puck, like like that, like that uh, teacher said to him, it's not like you're not stupid, Noah. You just have to apply yourself. Whereas with Brittany, even though we don't think that Brittany is stupid, <laughs> she clearly uh, applies herself, just not in the way that she should. So, yeah, maybe she needs a little bit more time in the oven. Puck don't need no more time in the oven. He just has to fucking get in the oven, like. 
like what are you doing you know what i mean like turn on the, turn it on so mm-hmm. yeah he he just and i'm glad that uh, i hated the way that that teacher put that test down though that was that's something that just always like kind of pissed me off because he she knew that he like worked his ass off yes yeah. she knew and it's not her prerogative to to pass but him also, just because he tried but it just this seems is the teacher, so this is the teacher he tried to seduce and say like Come on, like, give me good grades. And it I'll almost Make worked. it worth your while. Like, <laughs> she was so offended by it, though, as I understand why she would be. So that didn't go well. Whatever. But, I just, I just wish she could have put that shit. She slammed that shit down like, yeah, bitch, you failed. Like, you know what? I have some compassion. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> Speaking of compassion, uh, the, uh, I, you know, this really isn't too relevant to his story, but I didn't want to get through this podcast without talking about uh, Pocket Anti-Prom. Uh, in Promisaurus where he's playing strip poker with Becky and uh, you know makes ultimately she's having a really tough time uh, she wants to be the prom queen but you know she doesn't see it happening for her she ends up at, at anti-prom with Rachel and Blaine and Kurt and uh, whoever else is there. somebody else there I don't know if anyone else is there uh, and uh, he ends up making her the cardboard prom queen crown and then they go back to prom where he completes the arc of uh, successfully getting the uh, punch spiked because Becky's going to help him and and uh, they have more success than when uh, Artie was helping him. So uh, definitely wanted yeah, to that flag that Becky whole is a up. G. Becky is a G, okay? Artie ain't about that life. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, you know, a little, a little bit of uh, Puck's heart, I guess, shining through here as he does some uh, – goes out of his way to make Becky feel good about herself and also play strip poker with her, which, I mean, I don't know what the motivation was there, but, I mean – I feel knows? like he was just feeling so sorry for himself because at that point he had given up on – getting out of there and that's kind of what the punch symbolizes as well it's like if i can't if i can't leave mckinley if i can't get out of lima then i might as well you know shoot lower and try and spike the punch like i've been trying for the past couple of years so. i never looked at the punch as a symbolic metaphor or, or something you know <laughs> i never looked at it like that i mean he's like i mean he's literally like going to the anti-prom whereas he would never do that before he's you know, moping around the motel room, clearly just getting his ass handed to him is like down mm-hmm. to boxers and socks. Like it's like the most pitiful he's ever been. Like it's just. <laughs> Uh, yes. Uh, so, but, uh, back in, you know, his, his actual timeline, uh, you know, he's down and out because he's not graduating. The Glee club is preparing for another round of nationals. Uh, of course, at this time we see that unique is the competition over with vocal adrenaline and they're all worked up. They're like, oh, their main person is, is, you know, I'm, I'm making quotes, air quotes that you can't see right now. A boy. They have a trans a person. Oh my God. Right, which they're they're not identifying. They're not identifying exactly for, you know, what unique, uh, uh, you know, who she is. They're just, you know, more concerned about like thinking that it's some kind of like costume that is going to help them to to win this competition. So Puck ends up coming to school in a dress of his own. And I think he's wearing heels as well to try to show the Glee Club that he's he'll take one for the team and he'll be the New Directions unique. Uh, of course, the New Directions might appreciate that, but the rest of the school uh, still is not very much on board. And uh, Rick the Stick Nelson, who uh, I'd be surprised if he gets even one more name drop in any of these other character studies. Uh, actually, no, that's not true. He ran for an election, uh, so he'll come up. But uh, he's going to end up, you know, getting in Puck's face. Puck and Rick the, the Stick Nelson go outside. They're going to get in a fight. And this is when Puck pulls out the switchblade, which is ultimately a prop. But either way, uh, an intense moment there as uh, Coach Beast is actually going to step in to break things up and uh this is you know a very quick 
you know, this is all within this episode, and it's not the only time that we're seeing Puck and Coach Beast interact, but um, maybe I'm just surprised, maybe what you're hearing in my voice right now is that I'm surprised it took this long to talk about Puck and Coach Beast. Uh, I guess we'll save the main part of their relationship for Season 5, where the two of them are going to come together there, but uh, there is a very strong connection between these two characters that doesn't get talked about a whole lot, but... We see it here. We see it then. Uh, it's just this whole idea of these two tough people that nobody thinks uh, you know, nothing bothers us. Everybody thinks that we're just always fine and always, you know, strong and, and you know, nothing hurts us. Uh, but Puck is hurting badly here. Uh, Coach Beast is, you know, not trying to get him in trouble for the whole thing that just went down. Like he literally pulled out a fake knife. Uh, but Coach Beast is like, no, I, I understand you. I understand everything that is going on in your head right now. And I want to help you. And, you know, this is where we get the performance of Mean. But uh, what do you think about these two and their relationship? Yeah, they don't spend a lot of time nurturing it. It's sort of like the same thing with the guys. Like they don't nurture this enough for this. I mean, th- this is still a very touching moment. And it, it works for what for what is needed at the time. And the two of them are very similar, and I mean, they vocal. I mean, Beast vocalizes it when um, he at the t- well, he says that he, like they are badasses, and people think that nothing hurts them, but it does. Um, so yeah, I also am just not noticing the parallelism between the two of them because I mean, maybe I'm looking too much into it, but the fact that uh, Coach Beast is about to stop Puck from, you know, knifing someone. When she, when he her he himself was about to knife Cooter um not too long before but stops himself is very like oof like I just I'm not noticing how similar in more ways than one they actually are but yeah this is this is the wake up call or at least the cry for help that I think that Puck has been trying to get out and he just wasn't able he does he just didn't know how to do it um I mean obviously showing up in a dress was one thing and then pulling out a knife a fake knife at that. So, meaning that he never really intended to do any real damage to Rick the Stick, even though Rick the Stick, I'm not promoting violence or anything, but Rick the Stick definitely needs his ass beat. I'm not saying he needs to be knifed down, but he needs, like, someone needs to, he needs his face rearranged just one time, but a one time because he's getting on my fucking nerves. But, um, yeah, uh, I, this is, uh, he's at his, he's, he's at his rock bottom. He's had it. Like, he's tried everything. He's been to the ringer. Like, he, he, you know, he, he, he lost his friend in the first year. Barely made it back out alive with Finn. Then he went through this whole thing with Quinn and Shelby. Now Shelby and and, and, and uh, his daughter are gone once again. Now he's not going to be able to graduate. So all of his all of his friends are going to leave. Quinn obviously is not going to stick around for him because, like he said to her before, she's meant for bigger and better things than Lima. So now he's just going to be stuck here. Like, and it's just he's fucking pissed, and I and I understand it. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, Coach Beast is really gonna take a uh, take take a, a liking to Puck. Take a, you know, trying to really help him out here. She's gonna end up uh, you know convincing Puck's teacher to let him retake the test and offer to also make sure that he passes this time. Not like you know rig anything uh, behind the scenes, but just like help him study, focus with him, make sure that he's good, show him how loved he is because he doesn't believe it, he doesn't feel it from many people, if any other people at all. So really trying to to help him out here and as 
the you know the next episode or we're going to get into the last episode of the season puck is studying more with coach beast uh, a little bit with quinn as well and with when all is said and done puck is eventually going to end up getting the c minus that he needs and graduating along with everybody else in the class so things do end up turning around for him they do end up like the, the relationship with coach beast with quinn they really come in clutch at the end ultimately what what seemed to be what pushed him over the edge to getting that c uh, was a scene with Quinn uh, in that episode in Goodbye, where Quinn and Puck, like I said, you know, it comes back around here at the end. Uh, the two of them are talking at Quinn's house. Quinn is telling Puck just, you know, she she does love him. She's saying, I love you. I do believe in you. I do think that, you know, you're better than you think you are because he's saying, you know, I, that he feels unworthy of her affection. And she's like, no, like you, you need to stop with that mentality. You've done so much. You've you've gotten so far uh, to like past the point where you I'm sure ever thought that you could get. And, you know, the, it, it's a nice moment of the two of them showing each other how much they do appreciate each other. And, you know, uh, they're going to seal it with a kiss at the end. And that kiss, I think, really does help him to focus in uh, ahead of this test where, like I said, he gets the C minus, graduates with everybody else. And uh, that is essentially the end of, uh, of Puck's run here at McKinley. So he's got, you know, a good ending with Quinn of this part of the show. He's got people, you know, trying to reach out and show that they care. Uh, the only thing that I'm a little, you know, th- that I guess looking back on it is like, what like I don't know. I mean, at the end of the uh, uh, sorry, I, you have no idea what I'm I'm trying to say. It's it's in my head. Um, I'm assuming you can read my mind, but um, I'm thinking about Puck and Finn, and you know they sing Glory Days, of course, at the end of season three. But I still don't know that I feel like there was a whole lot of like you know like I, I don't know. I feel like that relationship was important. There could and have been a little bit more. And, yeah, um, I mean, we get to see the two of them sort of like uh, get back together in season four. But yeah, you're right. Like they didn't focus too much on Finn for him this season because Finn was so preoccupied with Rachel. Exactly. Finn's ultimate, you know, what what the audience is waiting for is to see how Finn and Rachel end up. So I totally understand that all of his time is being spent with uh, with Rachel and, you know, with Kurt, uh, the two of them, you know, being family now. So it's not the end of the world that there was no resolution here. But, you know, it could I feel like there could have been something to kind of. I mean, we at least get that conversation between the two of them when he says, like, look, like, are you going to come out with me to, to L.A. or not? And if you're not going to do it, then you at least better make something of yourself because you you owe it to me, you know? So, yeah, but I, I agree with you on, you know, on a macro scale that this definitely they I, I would have liked to see just more between the two of them because, I mean, they were built up in season like they were built up so much in season one. But I guess this can also be just, you know, you can chalk this up to, well, yeah, Puck really fucked up the relationship and it never really got back to the point where it was never perfect again. You know what I mean? Because that's kind of a hard hurdle to get over like you were about to have me raise your child (laughs) like that's kind of a lot so exactly so that's uh that's that's pretty much it for seasons one through three you know that's the main era of uh, of Puck at McKinley. But yeah, I mean, as you mentioned, they are going to do more with Puck and Finn going into season four. But as we get to seasons four through six, uh, we're pretty much looking at a lot less of of this character in the same way that we had a lot less of Quinn. So yeah, we let's uh, keep going into season four as we're going to see that Puck has some family that is uh, also going to make their way to McKinley. It is his half brother you know i'm good i'm not good at this half brother stepbrother half half half, brother half brother half brother not depending on depending on who you ask some people believe that if you have the same mom 
but different two different dads, you are full siblings. Some people believe if it's the same mom but different dads, it's half siblings, or if it's the same and vice versa, if it's the same dad, different moms, you're still half siblings. So I I say half sibling because they have different moms. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So okay. Half. We'll go with half. Uh, Season four is going to uh, really revolve for Puck around Jake. Jake Puckerman is a sophomore that has uh, made his way to McKinley, is the half-brother of Noah Puckerman. Uh, Jake, of course, is not going to initially join the Glee Club right away. He's going to want to, but then, of course, we see how his audition goes. Uh, Will cuts him off. Things get a little bit bad. He's got that Puckerman temper that really kind of carries, uh, you know, just really introduces the audience to this is a character that you already know because he is directly related to a character that we just said goodbye to. So uh, the two of them really, you know, form their bond this season. Uh, Jake is obviously in Ohio, Puck is in LA, but very early on here in the second episode of the season, uh, Will ends up calling Puck home to talk to Jake, kind of introduce them essentially, because these two have never met before. Uh, they're they're going to have, you know, this first interaction where they talk about Puck's like, yeah, I remember hearing uh, my dad and uh, and mom, uh, you, uh, their, their dad and Puck's mom fighting about like how his dad got a waitress pregnant when he was younger. So of course, that is where Jake came from. Uh, he's trying really hard. Puck is to get Jake to join the Glee Club. He's like, I know it might seem lame. I know that you might not want to go crawling back to them after, you know, whatever just happened, but it helped me out. It'll help you uh, as well to get through high school. It's really a good thing. Uh, He's going to end up leaving to go back to LA, but he assures Jake that he's going to be there for him. You know, anytime you need me, give me up, uh, give me a call. Let's, you know, keep this connection going, Uh, which, you know, does persist uh, a couple episodes later as we see Puck dressed as a superhero in the uh, middle of the Hollywood Walk of Fame, and uh, he's taking pictures with Taurus as uh, Jake's going to give him a call for some girl advice. So, you know, Puck, again, not really a lot in this season, but they give him here and there random times to, to make an appearance. So, uh, you know, the relationship is, is going here and uh, it's going to kind of continue on into Thanksgiving where we actually get to spend a little bit more time with them uh, as he is going to end up, end up, uh, Puck is going to end up mentoring Jake while Quinn comes back to mentor Kitty and uh, that whole thing goes down. But um I'll turn it over to you uh, of just early thoughts on the Puck and Jake connection. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely rushed. I feel like we talked about it, how it was a bit rushed, um, which, you know, fine, because I guess if Puck isn't going to be around that much and he's easier, you're going to use him sparingly throughout the season that you really have no choice other than to expedite the process. I That being said, though, I still like the relationship. I feel like it was um, an interesting dynamic um, to take for Puck's character um, because I kind of consider it more of a, of an, I, I can I consider it more of a of a shift for Puck's character than for Jake's because we don't really know Jake at this point. Um, so yeah, I, I liked it. I liked that he was willing so quickly to be a mentor to someone else, um, especially if it's his brother. Um, and I like the fact that he doesn't necessarily take he doesn't necessarily um, have the same amount of animus for his brother that Jake has for him. Because I guess uh, he doesn't—he didn't inherit that. Because if his mom was—if if both of their moms were any inclination, it seems like both. I mean, we, we learned that both of them have been keep, like willingly keeping them away from their brother, and it feels like Jake has really like taken to heart all of the negative shit that I'm sure his mom has said about both Puck, Mister Puckman, and Puck's mom. Whereas Puck mm-hmm. is like, nah, fuck that. Like you're my brother. Like that's like. That's our dad. Our dad's fucked up. 
not not us. So I do I do like the like emotional intelligence that he's able to show in this situation, however quick it is. Yeah, the, the, that episode, you know, Glee actually there in season four where uh, they take that trip out to L.A. together and they sing Hanukkah, Oh Hanukkah. Uh, really fun, fun song for me, fun performance. Uh, excited to talk about it in a, in a little bit when it's we get to all the songs, holiday but. season. They're going to end up making a trip over to L.A. Uh, they put the uh, Jewish star on the big Christmas tree, uh, make their way back to Ohio. And uh, well, not OK, before they make their way back to Ohio, we get that funny scene of like Puck being at uh, one of his clients houses with Jake. The two of them are in the backyard and uh, Jake gets uh, Puck gets embarrassed as Jake finds out that this is not actually Puck's house. So that's a little awkward, but uh doesn't seem to be a big problem for either of them because they do go back to Ohio. And as you were talking about, they, tr- uh, they do try to mend the relationship with their mothers. So, uh, and, and it ends up working by the end of this episode, they seem to all be on a good page. And for the first time, you know, this is really, like I said, the story of season four for puck that he kind of makes himself a family out of, out of the uh, pieces that they have to put together here. And it's, it's actually nice. I mean, it's, it's like, where would you have expected puck to really go with his story from here? It's kind of like, as, as far as like his journey in life, uh, you know, his career or anything like that, like the pool cleaning mm-hmm. business, you know, it makes sense. That's what he wanted to do. Uh, obviously, it's not working out the greatest for him. I don't know where he's actually staying, but it's not at this nice house. Uh, but ultimately, like, you know, just giving us some some Jake and Puck scenes. I, uh, I'm i not mad about any of that. So that's that. But it's going to get a little stickier. A little, a little, uh, a little worse as the season continues to play out, and we see the uh, Puck and Kitty of it all. So that's not the best (laughs) it's so weird uh because kitty is a sophomore right so at the oldest she is 16 maybe 17 depending on when her birthday is um puck is definitely 18 19 it's just you know and i'm gonna go i'm gonna go ahead and say she's probably 16 because this takes place in what the winter time so january Odds are she's 16, um, he's 18. It's just, while it's not the worst, it's like, uh, what are you doing? Like, right. <laughs> come on. <laughs> Actually, yeah, no, I think so it is the worst. Basically, because he's, he's legally, he, she's still underage. I feel like, at least here in Pennsylvania, like once you turn 18, you can't, I don't know, we talked about it at length, you know, during the, <laughs> during the episode when it happened, but it was just, uh, yeah. Yeah. It's so all season long, wide. we see that Jake is having some issues with Kitty. Uh, you know, he's having girl problems, not just Kitty, you know, Marley as well. And Kitty is, you know, still trying to make advances onto Puck, uh, well, to Jake Puckerman. Uh, Puck comes back around the Sadie Hawkins dance time, so like the middle of the season, and he's trying to help Jake out here. He's like, don't worry, I'll take care of this. And the way he takes care of it is by essentially usurping kitty from this dynamic and taking kitty off to uh go to the sadie hawkins dance on his own uh kitty's like all right fine i'll leave jake alone if i get to have you instead like you're uh probably you know even a better better than what i could have asked for with jake anyway so glad the two of them are happy even though i'm not actually glad about it uh so they go to the dance together and end up leaving to go you know do it in the car so yeah uh not much else to say about that like you said we kind of covered it there and uh happy to move right on past it um, but then the season is going to come to a close to him for Puck, you know, very, very quickly here. Really not much going on besides uh, him and Jake, because this episode, you know, it's really kind of like a standalone. What happens here with Puck and Finn? Uh, it's it comes out of nowhere that we see them reunited here. But 
this, you know, we're, we're at Finn's college. Apparently Finn is, uh, you know, when he left things with the Glee Club after uh, him and Will got into that fight about everything with, you know, Emma and Puck. Uh, Finn is now, you know, enrolled in school. Puck is going to meet up with him at this school. He doesn't go there. Uh, not yet, at least. Uh, we see them, you know, fight for your right to party. They get recruited to a frat. They agree to join. Um, and essentially this whole scene is not really about the college. It's like a very quick Here's an uh, here's a very quick check in on these two characters, and it allows us to kind of tie their stories in together. Because what Puck does here is uh, Finn is missing classes. He wakes Finn up one day, and he's like, like the next day, I guess, after that intense partying they were doing, and he t- he talks to Finn about how you know you and I are both worth something, and you and I, especially more than like anybody else that we've you know encountered, have to work extra hard to prove ourselves. Especially the situation that we found ourselves in post graduation, we have to do like a lot to prove that we're not failures, that we can make it. And Puck's even talking about potentially enrolling in this school and staying here to write the screenplay. I don't even know if I mentioned the screenplay yet, but all of season four, he's, uh, he's working on a screenplay. That's what he wants to do. Head back to LA and, you know, have his screenplay take off. And that's what he's going to do next. Uh, so, you know, it's very quick here. It's the last, of course, interaction with Puck and Finn. Uh, you know, this is getting to the, la- this is the last episode, right? This is Finn's last episode, I believe. So, it's, uh, you know, not much more that, of course, that they can do with it, but it, uh, it, it's at least where Puck is at now, just trying to figure out himself again. I don't know. It's, it's a strange part of the season to navigate and kind of break down. Yeah, it's very weird um, because, I mean, obviously Finn has a very large role in season four with, you know, his involvement with being the, the new director of The New Directions. <laughs> um <laughs> Um, and then, you know, he gets into that tiff. Well, not the tiff. He, he you know, kisses Mr. Shoe's fiance, has to leave, goes to college. And then it's like, all right, well, let's throw Puck in there so that Finn doesn't have to make entirely new relationships that we have to write into the script. So we'll just give him someone to anchor him there. And it's like, okay. Okay, so it's like one of those, it's like an Artie moment where he's just used for convenience, right? Um, but nothing ever really comes to the storyline um, because unfortunately what's going to happen to Finn. But even then, it was still a very like B-side plot line for, for uh, Puck as a character mm-hmm. that amounts to nothing. Yeah, it happens very quickly. It, uh, you know, this whole thing here, it's like one final catch up with these two characters uh, of the season, essentially, because, you know, this is going to be the last time we see Puck in season four. Uh, and for- unfortunately, you know, the last time that we see Finn in in the series is said from, you know, flashbacks and whatnot. So um, really not much to wrap up there for season four. It's just, you know, him and Jake meeting and, and bonding and forming this little family that they can, you know, hopefully, uh, you know, benefit all four of them because it seems like it's something that uh, would be good for all of them. Moving into season five, it's uh, it's, you know, three episodes essentially that Puck is going to be a, uh, a player in. Of course, the first one is uh, a big episode. It is the quarterback and uh, Puck is obviously not doing very well uh, with the loss of Finn. Yeah, we get more beast and uh, Puck content here. Yeah. He's uh, taking it very hard. I mean, if we're to believe that they spent a lot of time when Finn was at college um, getting closer and he was working on his screenplay and Puck was, or uh, Finn was working on his, you know, getting his teaching degree and all that, then yeah, this is probably really, really tough for him. Um, I mean, he says so much to Beast when they're talking about 
um, him in the locker room and he says, I don't understand how I'm supposed to keep going if Finn isn't there to like help me clean up my act. Um, and Coach Beast tells him, you're going to have to do that for yourself. You know, I mean, you and you and you've always had to do that for yourself. Yes, it's nice having friends. Yes, it's nice, you know, having people to rely on and people that know you and love you and can be that rock for you. But they're not always going to be there. And at, this is the ultimate example of that. He, he, he can no longer be here for you. So you really have to figure out how to make sure that you stay on track. And um, yeah, I think that's a, probably a, a real honest piece of information that we get from from Puck here. Because yeah, we get we get to see him in some deep shit as far as Quinn and the baby are concerned. But him admitting to himself that like he's afraid that if he doesn't have someone that he knows that has his back to remind him of who he is, he's done. And I think that that's a very scary realization to make, you know, and I think a lot of us go through that. Um, so I uh, I think that this scene was probably one of the more powerful ones in the episode um, and something that I definitely didn't really see coming. I don't know why I didn't see it coming because, I mean, Puck is Finn's closest male friend in the entire series. So it, it would only make sense. Yeah. Unless you count Mr. Shoe. <laughs> Yeah, they they definitely, you know, we talked about the quarterback when we talked about it, uh, you know, they, they they leaned pretty heavily on, you know, a specific set of characters in this episode. Uh, obviously, you know, it was it was a tough time all around for them to be able to, you know, find a way to tell this story, have the actors, you know, uh, do it in a comfortable way that, you know, they were all able to even get through. Of course, that's why, you know, Leah Michelle is barely in the episode until the very end. Uh, you know, they weren't going to give her more than she could handle at the time. So they rely on characters like Puck and Santana, who, uh, you know, I guess uh, uh, the, the Mark uh, Saling and, and Naya Rivera were both able to, uh, you know, pull it together and, and really kind of and Kurt as well. And, you know, and Will a little bit just kind of like walk us through this and, and show us the emotion that everybody around Finn was feeling. Uh, and and of course uh, Bert and Carol as well. But uh, you know, like you said, from the from the best friend perspective, uh, they decided to go with Puck. They could have gone with somebody like Sam or Artie, and they kind of do. They give them that song, but they really give Puck the majority of this. Uh, so yeah, he comes back. You know, he's stealing the tree that Kurt planted, bringing it back to his hotel. Uh, the the whole football jacket of it all, as Kurt is you know refusing to give that up, and. It ends up, you know, leading to this scene of him and Coach Beast where they're in the locker room and, you know, he's he's drunk and she's, you know, really trying to comfort him and discuss again how similar they are and, you know, uh, just, you know, how much she gets it and, you know, the fact that they can, you know, he'll find a way to move forward without Finn. Like, it has to be done. Uh, Finn would want you to, you know, all that kind of stuff. And it's it's really tough for him. He ends up singing No Surrender for the Glee Club and, you know, trying to really put it all out there. Uh, but that's when things get a little messy because Santana accuses him of stealing the jacket and blah, blah, blah. We know that Will took it eventually, but or, you know, we eventually find out that Will took it. But the end of this episode, at least it does seem like we're leaving off in a good note as uh, Puck and Coach Beast are replanting the tree. Puck is really having a moment there as he's like staring at the line on Finn's plaque, uh, you know, on, on the on the, mm -hmm. on the stone uh, and talking about like, wow, that's really it. You know, and it's like a, it's a powerful moment for like not just, you know, a fan of the show, like just to take back and kind of look at that as well from from a human perspective of like, yeah, that's 
that's uh, you know a pretty significant thing uh, that he's talking about there. But Puck is going to end up heading out to uh, to go join the Air Force because he thinks that that is the uh, the next step for him. You know, enough of the pool cleaning business, enough of you know this college thing. If it wasn't working out, it wasn't working out. Uh, he thinks that the next step for him is to join the Air Force. So that's what he's going to do. And then I'm pretty sure after this episode, we're never going to see Puck again outside of his Air Force uniform. So not that it matters. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. It was a a really um crossroads moment for him right it's like well, either you're going to pick yourself up and move on or you're going to continue to devolve and let you know if you if you were able to get through that whole thing at the end of last school at the end of your senior year then you can get not to say that death of a close friend and you know not getting your high school diploma are the same thing but like just the the fact that there are going to be hurdles in life that are really going to throw like they're, they're going to set you back you just really have to get up, as cliche as that sounds. I mean, you don't really have any other option. If you want to succeed, you have to get up. Um, and Finn's not here. He's gone. But he certainly tried to make the best of what he could whenever he was alive. And he always saw the best in people and saw the best in a situation. It was a very pragmatic person. And if there's anything that you could do to honor his legacy is also have that same sense of pragmatism and just look forward. And, you know, that's, that's it. And so um, I'm glad that he was able to, you know get the assistance from beasts to realize that. Yeah. So that's, you know, definitely a big episode for Puck and for everybody. And as we're going to continue on through season five, uh, we're pretty much the next episode that he's a big part of is essentially going to be the last episode where he's, a major player uh, going into season six, really not much going on there. We'll talk about it in, in a bit after we get through all this, but episode 100 of the, of the show uh, somehow ends up being an episode where both of our gold stars went to puck. Uh, he came back, you know, with everybody else for the 100th episode. And the main thing that's going on here is Quinn is back as well. Quinn is dating Biff McIntosh, the uh, very wealthy person from, uh, from over at Yale. And, Biff is awful. Biff is not even kind of paying attention when they perform toxic and they're all like, Quinn, this guy sucks. He's awful. Uh, Puck at one point is outside, catches Quinn and Biff arguing about something. He kind of steps in to be like, hey, what's going on here? Uh, Biff and Puck get into a fight. Biff ends up in the dumpster. Uh, Puck, you know, turns to Quinn and he's like, all right. Uh, our, all of our friends, your real friends are going to be inside. So if I were you, I would leave this guy here and come hang out with us. Come join us, which she does. So Biff, you know, see you later. Puck's going to end up singing to Quinn. Uh, keep holding on a very, uh, another very good iconic performance. I, th- I think, uh, we'll see how it does in the, in the rankings there, but, uh, it is, uh, you know, it's it's a, a big moment, you know, it's, uh, bringing Puck and Quinn back together as we really haven't, you know. We really haven't followed them at all because they're not really on the show anymore. So now that they are getting towards the end of the line here in season five and in in the whole series, they come back together here. He sings for her. He realizes that he can still kind of win her over through song. He's like, I still got it. You know, you're still paying attention when I sing. And, you know, that's not wrong. Uh, So, yeah, the gold stars went to uh, to them there. We, you know, get that final scene of the two of them in this episode where Quinn and Puck are in the locker room and they're talking about, you know, do you think that Finn ever forgave us for, for what went down for all of that? And I think they, you know, they're at least there for each other and, and hoping that he did. Uh, he's telling her that he's going to leave Lima and, you know, go back to where he was. There's really no reason for him to stay here. And uh, she's like, all right, sounds good. But then, of course, she runs down the hallway, 
gives him a big kiss and pretty much tells him, actually, I want you to stay, uh, which is going to lead into the next episode where it does seem like the two of them are an official item again. Uh, they sing, just give me a reason. Quinn actually, yeah, she tells everybody, yeah, we're, we're together again. Puck asked. I said, yes, not, you know, engagement, but they're back together. Uh, they sing the final ever performance for the Glee Club at the time. Uh, of course, you know, they're closing things down in the choir room there in season five. Uh, but that's that. So, you know, Season five, they come back together and uh, through season six, we don't see anything to indicate that they're not still together. In fact, they are together when they show up for homecoming and jagged little tapestry. But, you know, the wedding comes comes and goes. Quinn's not there uh, because, you know, Diana Agron couldn't be filming that day. And then, you know, dreams come true. He comes on. He comes on for the final performance, but we don't have any follow up. We have no idea how their story genuinely ended. But the last that we saw of them here in season five was the two of them together. So I believe that is, you know, generally where most fans are going to uh, to carry forward that uh, that these two ended up together. I mean, it's an okay ending. It's not a stellar ending at all because, because, I mean, this is season five and he does appear in season six, but it really isn't in any significant way. Um, I, but uh, like I said, I did not necessarily think that this was something that I was rooting for when I watched Glee the first few times, but this time actually having to podcast about it and thinking about the episodes more deeply and the progression of his character a little bit more deeply. Yeah, they were definitely setting this up as endgame. I think it was just not really handled with much care because of the sporadic appearances of both Quinn and Puck. They sort of just come in, leave, come in, leave, flashback, leave. And it doesn't really give you a lot of time to get reinvested in either of their characters. So I clapped when they kissed, but it was like half-hearted. I was like, okay, good, fine, whatever. (laughs) Yeah. There's just so much more to care about at this point. There's so much more going on in the Glee universe that it's like when Quinn and Puck show back up and they do that performance, just give me a reason. It's like, you know, the the nostalgia of it all when you're thinking back to like, oh, yeah, remember those days where Quinn and Puck were like a main storyline season one, essentially, and then they tried to bring it back in season three. It's like, yeah, remember that? Uh, And they're kind of just reminding you and giving you the final bits of like the OG cast and, you know, letting them, you know, giving them some somewhat of happy endings before they go off on their merry little way post, you know, post Glee. Um, so yeah, I, I think I'm fine with, I think I said, you know, at the time and I think I still am, you know, I'm fine with it. I'm fine with this being their ending. It's not anything that I was like, Oh no, why are they doing this? And it's not anything that I was like, yay. It was just, it happened. Uh, you know, I would have liked more resolution for Quinn, of course, as one of my favorite characters, but the fact that the fact is that, you know, Diana was not really present in filming for these seasons. She was off doing other projects. So, you know, happy to have her at all. Um, so really, truly, that is all I have uh, essentially for for Puck. Uh, you know, that's that's I think the uh, the end of, of what we really have to talk about with him. Do you have anything else uh, from these last seasons or just anything at all before we get to the songs? No, I think that's it. That's it for me. You sure? You sure? Yeah, that's probably it. I'm, I'm pretty <laughs> sure. I mean, like I said, season six, he just pops in. He comes in to, to see the Glee Club get reformed. He helps with that. He comes to the wedding, so at least, at least he could be bothered to do that. And he's supposed to be in the fucking Air Force, and Quinn couldn't fucking find the time to come. Yeah, he comes and he sings, and I lived. And there you have it. That's Puck's character. That's Puck. So we, uh, you know, are going to uh, now get into the songs for Puck. You guys helped us out by taking the survey, which we also took. And just a reminder that uh, your votes essentially made up 
50% of the final tally. Our votes made up 50% of the final tally. And uh, we have now have now have this list of Puck's 22 songs, his solos and his duets that, uh, you know, solely, not solely, that, uh, that really just feature Puck, uh, you know, group numbers and whatnot. If he was not the main part of that song are really not included. Uh, we're going to get into them from number 22 to number one. I think we had a good time with this last time. Aman is uh, able to look at the screen and see what songs come up. But uh, am I correct that what you did last time, you're going to do it again this time and just not look and be surprised by what comes into your ears? Yep. Not going to look. Matt is in complete control of everything here. I'm just going to sit here and be along the the ride um, with you guys. So, yeah, I'm excited. I mean, I feel like I have an idea of how this could go. I think that. There, I mean, Puck only has a few, a handful of songs anyway. I mean, 22 is kind of more than I expected, to be honest. But I think that we can probably guess which ones are going to end up towards the top and which ones are going to trail at the bottom and fall off the charts, as it were. Let's get on into it. We are going to start at the bottom here with uh, the number 22 ranked song out of 22 uh, from the list of Noah Puckerman songs. And uh, let's hear it. Kick it! Coming in at number twenty-two, uh, the one of the one of the last uh, songs that Puck really ever gets in the show. Uh, you know, not the last last, but one of the last. Uh, you got to fight for your right to party from season four with Finn. Yeah. Um. I well, I, I'm not surprised that it's in the bottom. I'm surprised it's the last song. But when I really think about it, I guess it's not that surprising because it's such it's a blink and you miss song, right? Like this. This is the whole small batch of episodes where uh finn is in college and puck just shows up there because yeah why not let's just have puck follow finn around and so i feel like a lot of people forget about this song until the episode is playing and you're like oh yeah this song plays i think it's uh it's a it's a decent performance it's fun i don't go back and listen to it um but uh yeah it's it's fine (laughs) <laughs> but I just I don't know why I, I just expected it because it's a bit of a fun song that I expected more people to like it for it not to end in the to be in the bottom. But now that I'm thinking about it, like what other song would be in the bottom? So I don't I don't know. I'm interested to see what 21 is now. Yeah, I'm in the same boat. I, I never have gone back to the song. I never do. It's, you know, unfortunate. I, I think I said this at the time that this is pretty much Finn's last song. Uh, he's in, you know, Don't Stop Believing with the you know with the original crew that comes in i think after this i think it's like one episode after if i'm remembering correctly uh i don't know it's just you know not (laughs) not anything significant so not surprised to see it down here at the bottom and uh i was gonna also by the way and and i'm gonna do this at the end i want to as we go with each 
additional character that gets added, I want to kind of keep track of like the top five, maybe top 10 overall. So I'll get to that when we get to the end of all of this. But I was also thinking like, oh, why don't we track the bottom songs or whatever? Uh, I'll just tell you that the bottom five songs that come in here on Puck's playlist are all below any song that was on Quinn's playlist. So, uh, you know, when you combine the two playlists of the ones that we're about to hear, these are all going to be the bottom five songs total. So just in case anyone's interested in uh, that small fact. But so, yeah, fight for your right to party at number 22. Uh, Number 21. In the time of chimpanzees, I was a monkey. Butane in my veins, and I'm out to cut the junkie with the plastic eyeballs. Spray paint the vegetables, dog food stalls with the beefcake pantyhose. Kill the headlights and put it in neutral. Stock car flaming with the loser and the cruise control. Babies in Reno with the vitamin D. Got a couple of couches, sleep on the love seats. Someone came saying I'm insane to complain about a shotgun waiting in a stain on my shirt. Don't believe everything that you breathe You got a parking violation and a maggot on your sleeve So shave your face with some mace in the dark Saving all your food stamps and burning down the trailer park Yo This is so ridiculous. Yeah, you are <laughs> I know a you're loser, not baby. watching the screen, but I, I kind of wish you were just to re- remember. Uh, season one, episode 21, it is Puck and Finn getting a job at Sheets and Things and performing Loser with all the Sheets and Things employees. This song is so out of nowhere. It would definitely, I mean, we've, we've spoken at length about how some songs just get shoehorned into the plot. And this, because this includes Terry is a part of this. Uh, Howard Bamboo is a part of this. Like, what is this? It, it, the, the, it's just such a strange... Uh, <laughs> somebody is just a fan of this song on production, and they wanted to appeal to them and to other fans of this song, which is fine. Whatever. I mean, there's a, there's a looks like there's room for everybody, as uh, Gia Gunn would say. Um, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's kind of all I have to say. It's an incredibly <laughs> random performance that, that gets thrown in there. Hashtag so random. Uh, but I, 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 sure. Uh, so, yeah, no surprise to see it at the bottom. I, I definitely didn't rate it too highly. I think actually looking at the list here, uh, this is the song that between you and I got the lowest rating uh, combined. So uh, our personal bottom number. But uh, when you add the audience in, it got you know a little boost up to uh, the second from last spot. So uh, there's Loser at number 21. At number 20, uh, we have the song that actually finished last in the audience ranking, but we gave it a little bit of a boost. Here is number 20. Okay, so let's hop on back to sunny Spain. Hey, look, here's a fun fact. Spain is considered a mostly mountainous country interspersed with picturesque plateaus and arid valleys. Fascinating. No, it's not. Who the hell cares? Not even Einstein uses this crap. So wipe it from your memory tomorrow. After your test. Now for the bonus round. Which region of Spain receives the most rainfall? I don't know. Dude, just think about it, dude. The rain in Spain falls mainly... Whatever, in the flatlands, the plains. (laughs) What was that? The rain in Spain stays mainly in the plain. Again. The rain in Spain stays mainly in the plain. I think he's got it. I think he's got it. The rain in Spain stays mainly in the plain. 
he's got it. By George, he's got it. Now once again, where does it rain? On the plane, on the plane. And where's that soggy plane? In Spain, in Spain. The rain in Spain stays mainly in the plane. Bravo! The rain in Spain stays mainly in the plane. <laughs> Season 3, Episode 18. Is Puck going to graduate or is he not? Well, if in, if he wants to graduate, he's got to study all about the rain in Spain as he sings this. Mostly a duet here with Finn. Yeah, I was swayed by the musical theater gods for this one because... It's a number from My Fair Lady, and they kind of rockified it. Um, And it's, uh, you know, obviously the story here is they're trying to assist Puck with studying for his history or his geography exams or whatever the hell that shit was. Um, And it was just a lot of fun. Um, And impromptu. It really gave off that impromptu energy. Um, And uh, I, I, you know, I enjoyed it. I don't go back and listen to it, but I like it for what it is during the episode. (laughs) Yeah, same. It's uh, it's okay. Uh, exact same though. I'm I'm never gonna go back and play this in the car, but that's why it's here at uh, number twenty. So audience, really, really uh, low on this one. Like I said, it got the their lowest rating, but uh, not that we gave it any kind of spectacular rating, but we uh, were a little bit higher on it, and it landed here at number twenty. Here is uh, number nineteen. I live for fourth period. Shelby's been subbing for Mr. Clippinger in geometry ever since he ate that bad cantaloupe. I know I'm supposed to be learning about grammars and stuff, but all I can think about is what color underwear Missy is wearing and if she knows how to dance. Wait a second, man. What do you think the teacher's gonna look like this year? Number uh, number nineteen is uh, season three, episode six, "Hot for Teacher." Yeah, so if we're examining this as an entire album of Puck songs, like it's a good thing that this is at the end of the album because it's just so wildly inappropriate for the character. <laughs> but it's a very solid performance. It's a lot of fun. I think he gets backed up by uh, who does he get backed up by here? Like. Um, uh, Mike yeah, so, Chang and, and yeah, he sings a little bit with Finn. Finn jumps in there uh, throughout the song, but uh, it's yeah, Mike and uh, Blaine that end up, I guess, in the back because uh, and yeah, they, they do have a mic in front of them, so I guess that mm-hmm. we're supposed to see that they're background singers, but mostly like the dance that they have going on once they get back to the choir room, like. I don't know, Blaine, or they gave Darren Chris an opportunity to be like, hey, uh, you know, Harry's, uh, you know, our top dancer. If you think you can hang out with him for for a number here, try it out. Yeah, and he actually but... looks pretty good with him. So, yeah, but it's a it's a lot of fun. And I like the, uh, the the way that it's set up. Of course, like I said, I'm not watching the videos, but I do remember 
the imagery of uh, Shelby Corcoran at the at the front of the classroom walking oh, on yeah. the stage <laughs> with Tinsel in the background and flashing lights and looking just va va voom. Uh, <laughs> Um, so yeah, it's a it's it's shot very well. It's very inspired. It's a lot of fun. I just wish that it wasn't about Shelby. I wish it was about someone more, you know, closer to his age. But I guess then the yes. song wouldn't have been performed in the first place because mm-hmm. hot for teacher. Mm-hmm. Hot for teacher comes in at number nineteen. Let's uh, bounce. Keep going to uh, to number eighteen. How rude of me. Ladies and gentlemen, Finn Hudson and Noah Puckerman. Say, are you dressed like Luke Skywalker and Han Solo? No, that's copyright infringement. Any resemblance to Star Wars characters is purely coincidental. (laughs) Hey guys, why the long faces? It's Christmas Eve or something. We thought we heard Santa Claus, but with the climate change and end times, we just don't think Santa Claus is coming to town. Well, that's not what we heard. Oh, you better watch out, you better not cry, you better not pout, I'm telling you why. Santa Claus is coming to town, Santa Claus is coming to town. Number 18 is uh, a Christmas song here. Santa Claus is coming to town with Finn and Puck. It warms my heart that this was not at the bottom. I mean, this is something that I would expect the audience to put at the bottom. Did I give it a bit of a boost? I think I tried to temper Um, myself when it came to Christmas songs. I was like, come on, don't do it. Don't do it. Try and think about the discography as a whole, if you will. (laughs) I mean, you might have given it a boost, but I definitely did not give it a boost. So that kind of averaged out to the same part of uh, of our rankings where there's like not much added from us. Okay. Well, I mean, I I enjoy um, this performance. I think that Finn, or excuse me, Puck in particular, sounds great on this song. I wish they had done like the more like more of like the Jackson Five version because it's a little faster. It's a little, uh, you know, a little bit more uh, Christmas rocky. I just like that version of Santa Claus is coming to town. But they sound great. Obviously, I know I love the holidays. I love the holiday season. I can't wait to revisit some of these holiday episodes next month. It's just going to be so much fun. And uh, yeah. <laughs> All right. Number, uh, that was number 18, number 17. Uh, so what have we had so far? We had a duet, a duet, a duet. Uh, Hot for Teacher, I, I have it marked down as a solo, but I guess you could kind of debate. That, I mean, the, the majority of that is him. Yeah. Uh, and then this was another duet. So uh, let's just uh, keep an eye on that if we want to. Number 17. So long I've been looking too hard I've been waiting too long Sometimes I don't know what I will find 
I only know it's a matter of time when you love someone. Maybe I'm wrong. Won't you tell me if I'm coming on too strong? This heart of mine has been hurt before. This time I wanna be sure. I've been waiting for a girl like you to come into my life. I've been waiting for a girl like you in a love that will survive. Yeah, waiting for a girl like you. I almost let the whole song play, but that's when I, that's what happens when, uh, okay, I'll, I'll give you guys a peek behind the curtain here. We're recording yeah. this the day after election day and, uh, I'm <laughs> reading updates. So I kind of lost a track of time, there, but <laughs> don't do it to yourself. Although he did just win Wisconsin. Yes. But anyway, um, yeah, <laughs> I, I am kind of shocked that this is as low as it is. Um, cause what is it? 17 you said or 16? Yeah. 17. Yeah. This is, um, I mean, this is like one of the more emotional songs that we ever get from him period um and he's singing to his daughter and he sounds you know he sounds great it's a it's a very raw moment for for puck i don't revisit the song so i guess i can't really fault people too much for it like i'm not i'm not like oh yeah, yeah play me play me that uh i've been waiting for a girl like you by puck give me that <laughs> like i'm not no that's not mm-mm. but um it's still a really solid performance so i expected it to be a little higher uh, this is pretty much exactly where I would expect this to be. I mean, when you get to like the top, you know, 16 songs, it kind of makes sense that this fell to number 17. Uh, I, I agree. I think it's like another one, kind of like a couple of the last few have been the rain in Spain. Uh, you got to fight for your right. It's like, these are fun scenes. These are good scenes for the character. Uh, I don't, well, not necessarily fun, but th- like you said there, it's a good moment for them, but overall, like, you know, as far as memorable songs, performances go, you know, I understand why it's 17. So no problems there uh, on my end but let's keep moving to number 16 we've got another year come on we got another year for next year's sectionals immediately. Guys, you've all worked really hard this year and you deserve a break. Take the summer off, have some fun. Oh, but before you go, I have something for you. You all sang for me the other day, so today I'd like to return the favor.
So uh, not the not the most puck filled song. This is obviously way more Will than it is Puck, but uh, Puck is definitely there alongside him and uh, you know playing the guitar. Um, kind of borderline for me. I wasn't like positive if this was like a song that you know made it to the puck category but it, it's here it did and uh people you know seemed to enjoy it enough that it landed here at number 16 season one episode 22 over the rainbow yeah i mean i associate this song more with will than i do with puck but i guess y'all see like i would expect this to be a little lower but i mean people just love their wizard of oz <laughs> <laughs> No, I like this performance, and yeah, I mean, yeah, no, it's a, for, a, for sure more of a Will number. Um, there's, you know, there's going to be so many songs that when we get through, it's like picking apart, uh, did this qualify, should this have been included, should this not have been? Uh, it was, you know, a little tough to narrow down specifically what counted, what didn't, but, uh, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's overall, this song is uh, one that I do enjoy out of the will catalog and uh we'll get to his songs when we get to his podcast but yeah made it up to number 16 uh did pretty okay with the audience actually it's it's in pretty much the same spot looking at both boards Mm -hmm. so uh not much affected by any particular side of the rankings yeah i mean it's a it's it's a it's a good performance it's i feel like it's it's oddly um placed like within the episode, like they just got another year, and then this is the this is the uh, celebration song. It was just like, no, give us something like uh, I don't know, something a little bit more upbeat, a little you know, fast tempo. I don't know. Yeah, and uh, Puck and Quinn literally just you know got back from the hospital, <laughs> not just yeah, the hospital, like but, uh, this, like y'all have been through the ringer, and then y'all are singing somewhere. Yeah, I would <gasps> over expect, the rainbow you know, the with the damn ukulele. More... <laughs> yeah, well. That's what happened there. Uh, that's that's number sixteen. Uh, number fifteen, which is definitively a uh, no questions asked a puck song. Come on, y'all. Come on. This deserves to be in the top 10. I know that I made, I I know that I definitely rated this as like iconic or whatever the hell. Because this performance is everything. Especially when you get to the bridge with the no more teachers. Like Puck kills this shit. And then the visuals with the dancing Cheerios on the football field as he drives out there on the motorcycle. Like, come on. This is like his magnum opus. Like this is, this is the shit. I'm so sad this is not in the top 10. I'm so sad. Oh, I uh, I didn't realize you had such an uh, affinity for this song. Now, now uh, you know, when songs like this come up, it uh, has me looking at the board to see uh, how this all shook out. The audience actually had this much lower. Uh, so I guess your boost is what carried it to where it did here at number 15. Uh, the audience had it on their list at number 19. What? So it's, uh, yeah, it's pretty far down there. 
Y'all are crazy. Y'all need to unsubscribe right now. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> okay, Julie Chen. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Let me see. I'm trying to look in uh, in our list to see exactly what we gave it. This was a puck solo. I'm pretty scroll, sure scroll, scroll. I rated it pretty highly. You rated it as... Uh, no, you didn't. You did not say I stand iconic top tier. You said I really enjoy it. Oh, I fucked up. And <laughs> and I said I like it. It's good, but not top tier. So Damn. that averaged us out at a three point five. Well, I still would have. I mean, if I had done that and rated it iconic or whatever the hell, how much further up the list would it have gone? It probably wouldn't have been that much. It would have gone uh, up one more spot. Okay, well then. I still stand not, by not what a I huge said. It's the audience, the audience mostly that's dragging it down, and I am, I am saddened by that. <laughs> well, uh, I'm sure they're saddened by a couple of songs that you dragged down that are upcoming and that have already taken place. Uh, taken place, so uh, you know the feeling is mutual. <laughs> Whatever. All right, number uh, fourteen, uh, our first crossover here. As uh, you've already heard this one on another podcast, number fourteen. Right from the start, you were a thief, you stole my heart, and I, your willing victim. I let you see the parts of me that weren't all that pretty, and with every touch, you fix them. Now you've been talking in your sleep, oh. Yeah, crazy how many of these songs it takes so long to yes. get Puck involved in the song. Yes, Quinn, go girl, give us nothing. <laughs> hey. <laughs> yeah, I know I love Quinn, but that little tepid, yeah, this is happening. <laughs> it, just, it just makes me laugh. <laughs> Uh, the, uh, this was the uh, what a, a very low song on uh, on Quinn's list. I believe it was second. Yeah, to last. I'm shocked that check. this is that low on her list, but it's up there close to the top ten on his list. Like, what is that about? How well, did y'all so like here's, this here's more the than the like than more than uh, schools out? What is wrong with y'all? So by the number, I I mean I like this more than schools out. I uh, what is wrong with you? <laughs> Uh, just wait till we get into a lot of songs that are beloved by the fandom and myself and the ones that you hate. And, and we I don't that, hate I the songs that are beloved by the fans. I just don't like them as much. You were trying to well, sell this narrative. Here. I don't hate schools out. I just don't love it as much. <sighs> know what I mean? Anyway, 
Um, looking at Quinn's list, uh, if anyone, uh, people usually don't care. Like usually, uh, you know, for for any Big Brother fans that uh, are, you know listen to us or anything, you ever listen to like the the Stockwatch Roundtable or anything with uh, the LFC, and they start or Taryn starts talking about like numbers and whatnot, and I'm like, I would be interested in like seeing the numbers, but like hearing somebody talk about the numbers, it never like goes over as well as uh, as you would hope that it would. But uh, the, as far as the numbers go for here, uh, Quinn's lowest song is uh, coming in right around here. So Over the Rainbow was uh, number 16, and Quinn's lowest song, her number 16, would be right above that. So all of these other Puck songs were, like, all below hers. So, uh, yeah, Just Give Me a Reason, Puck and Quinn comes in here at number 14. I mean, all right. I mean, fine. It is, you know, like one of his last songs, and it's with Quinn, and it's their endgame song or whatever, 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 whatever. I just, you know, whatever. <laughs> yes, uh, we already talked about this one uh, over on Quinn. So let's keep moving. Uh, number 13 is... Come on, Virginia, don't let me wait. You Catholic girls start much too late. All oh, but sooner or later it comes down to fate. I might as well be the one Well, they showed you a statue, told you to pray They built you a temple and locked you away Oh, but they never told you the price that you pay For things that you might have done Only the good die young You got a nice white dress and a party on your confirmation Season two, episode three, pretty early on, uh, Grilled Cheeses, Only the Good Die Young, which, um, I don't know, <laughs> I don't remember the details of when this came into the episode, but Grilled Cheeses is that whole episode about Bert having a heart attack, mm-hmm. and it seems like weird timing. Yeah, I but, can't remember yeah. exactly when during the episode this takes place. Uh, Puck sang this song to continue his legacy of only singing songs by Jewish artists after learning that the week's assignment is to sing spiritual and religious songs. So just one of those circumstances where uh, he was like, oh, I got something. This is, uh, this oh, is okay. Bill, good old Billy Joel. Gotcha. All right. that I, so. That's making more sense now. And yeah, it lands here at number 13. I mean, yeah, it's, an, it's a nice song. It's a good performance. You know, it's Puck is at its best when he's just standing there with his guitar um, and strumming and, and singing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, keep moving here. Uh, well, I'm so excited to get to the top 10. Uh, we're getting so close. All right, number 12. Uh, where are you? Number 12, right here. What's it say? C minus. That's a fucker in A plus. I'm graduating. Yeah. Out of here. Yeah. yeah. Come on. I had a friend who was a big baseball player. Michael Chang Jr. Back in high school. He could throw that speed ball fire. Make you learn to like a fool ball. Quinn Fabre. Saw me on the night at this workshop. I was walking in. He was walking out. 
That's it. It's graduation time. It is season three, episode 22, Glory Days, duet with Finn. It sounded like he said, that's a fucking A+. I was like, oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think that's what he said. Glee rated R. Um, This is a lot of fun. We did not think that he was going to graduate. He did not think that he was going to graduate. His bros helped him out, and uh, he, uh, he got to walk down the alley, got to turn that tassel. Um, mm-hmm. and it's just, it's a lot of fun. This is like this whole, yeah. most of the songs in that little two, that, that, that whole section of the two episodes of, um, uh, Goodbye and Nationals in season three, a lot of those songs are just really good feel good songs. So I would not yeah. be surprised if most of the songs that are in those two episodes are on the higher end, um, of the spectrum. Right. Yeah. Um, not. Well, just looking at this list, nothing else here for for Puck in that area. But uh, yeah, it's uh, for sure a feel good feel good part of the show. So number twelve here is uh, Glory Days. I'm looking at the audience list. It it actually did crack the audience's top ten at number ten. So uh, the only reason it landed here at number twelve is because I guess there were a couple of other songs that we liked a little bit more that made their way into the top uh, ten for overall. So uh, that's number 12, Glory Days, and let's keep on moving to number 11. It's called Big Ass Heart. Doctor, cause her heart had palpitations They cut the carbs or else she didn't push in up carnation She stepped up on the scale and the doctor said Oh lordy, if you don't drop a few, girl, you won't make it past age 40 My girl said, hey, looky on that fancy x-ray chart Said the doctor, holy hell, that's one GD Big ass heart, I'm telling you, my friend My girl's got a big ass heart When she shop for groceries, that heart I love Ashley Fink so much. <laughs> yeah, a good sport for taking that song on the chin. Although it's a really good song, um, she's dancing along to it. Yeah, it's it it's fun. fun. It's fun. It's just like the 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 singer songwriter structure of it all is pretty uh pretty catchy. Um, I just like the descending nature of the chorus it's a lot of, it's just it's it's very catchy you just catch on to it really quick um and his little bait and switch with the this song's called big ass heart like it's just you know it just injected <laughs> with all of puck's you know you know mischievous attitude so i think it's just a lot of fun and i think that a lot of the fans loved this song too Mm-hmm. yeah it's uh it did pretty well so number eleven, actually a little bit lower on the audience's list. You and I gave it a little boost. So no, I meant like apparently this song. Rece- I remember reading some trivia about the song and the reception um, to it from the fans at the time, and apparently it was like a, it was a smash with fans at the time, like yeah. up there with Trotty Mouth. <laughs> well, there you go. Uh, number eleven. Nope, that was number eleven. Top ten. Top ten, baby. We are uh, in the top ten, and uh, let's kick it off with number ten. Do I sound like a DJ? Do I sound like a DJ Lagori Number 10 This is so badass I've never broken the rules like this One love One heart 
together and feel alright. Hear the children crying. One love. Hear the children crying. One heart saying, give thanks and praise to the Lord, and I will feel alright. Saying, let's get together and feel alright. Whoa, 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 whoa. Let them all pass all their dirty remarks. There is one question I'd really love to ask. One heart, is there a place for the hopeless sinner who has hurt all mankind? Just to save his own. I, I could play this song all day if I if I wanted to keep going. I really really like this song. Uh, I, I just I, I, I this is like it's one that Bob I clung on to back when it first came out, and to this day I'm sitting here jamming out to it. Uh, one love, uh, people get ready with uh, Puck and Artie from season two, episode six. It's it's Bob Marley, right? Like these, he had such a penchant for songs like this. Um, to you know, make you feel exactly what the lyrics are intended to make you feel. Um, and I think that uh, uh, Puck and Artie, like having Artie there really helps carry the song for me. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's just, a, it's, a, it's a good performance. I mean, you got all these people handing the money in the courtyard and he's doing it to, supposedly to help Artie, but really it's not, but that's fine. Uh, it's it's still Puck at the end of the day. Yeah, it's it's fun. I I am fine with this song being in the top ten. <laughs> All right, it's uh, it would have been it would have been higher for me. It probably would have made my top five. Uh, I mean, actually, I don't even know if that's true. Uh, looking at the rest of the songs, it would have been it, very close. It would have been a tough contest, and I'm sure that this got a little bit of a boost from uh, from myself. I don't remember what you gave it. Actually, you know what? Let me look. Let me look. Um, oh no, both of us gave it the same rating. We both said I really enjoy it. Mm-hmm. It's a good one. All right. Yeah, so uh, landed there with a boost from both of us at number 10. Number number nine, which this one definitely got a boost, uh, especially for me, but I think you uh, marked it down as you like it as well. And the audience, oh, let me play the song and we'll talk about it. Oh, Hanukkah, oh, Hanukkah, come light the menorah. Let's have a party, we'll all dance the horror. Gather round the table, we'll give you a treat Survive in it to play with the lot guests to eat And while we are playing, the candles are burning low One for each night they shed a sweet light to remind us of days long ago One for each night they shed a sweet light to remind us of days long ago Hanukkah, oh Hanukkah, come light the menorah Let's have a party, we'll all dance the horror Gather round the table, we'll give you a treat Sip in it to play with the lockers to eat And while we are playing, the candles are burning low One for each night they share a sweet light To remind us of days long ago 
That damn audience, you people out there, love you. You're, you're great people, love you in general, but you ranked this song low, and thank God that we both uh, ranked it a little higher and it made its way this high. You guys had it at number 17, and our boost was uh, <laughs> both of us had it very high up uh, in, in hours, and it made its way Wait, up to number 9. I'm so sorry. Uh, glad that we had that influence, I'm because number 17, I would have thrown a fit. Matt, you're a fucking idiot. <laughs> Why? <laughs> I just saw what you did with the fucking tweet. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I felt really good about that one. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm so... I can't even be mad. I, normally, I'd be like, do not dare desecrate that song, but that is hilarious. <laughs> uh, oh, my God. I'm going to... That's... Wow. I'm not I'm not editing this out if you if you want to go back and see what Tweetamon just saw that I tweeted in the middle, you can go back on uh November fourth at twelve thirty seven PM. Oh my god. Anyway. Anyway, Hanukkah oh Hanukkah. <laughs> uh like I said, mad at the audience, but glad that we uh made it this high up. Uh Jake, nice to see you here for the first time. Yeah, this is a lot of fun. I I, I this is this is now a permanent fixture on my Hollywood playlist. And sometimes, like, you know, because I frequently will, like, you know, throw parties or whatever during the holiday season. And this song will come on and they'll be like, Amon, like, you're not Jewish. And I'm like, I don't give a shit. Like, this song is a bop. I love this song. <laughs> like, if I like if I if I ever go to a Jewish function, I will definitely be like, oh, do you guys have um, uh, Hanukkah or Hanukkah uh, by uh, Puck and Jake? Because it's a bop. And we, I need to hear it right now. Yeah, this is a lot of fun. This is a lot of fun. I just love the camaraderie between the two of them. Uh, I, I just love the season four Christmas episode in general. But yeah, this is just a, a, a big reason why. So lots of fun. Yes. They're like gallivanting through a Hollywood set and stealing guitars and getting matching Star of David tattoos. And it's just a lot of fun. I love this song. Did we know that Jake played the guitar? Yeah. Until then? Until here now? No, before. Like, does he play it in the earlier episodes? Yeah. I don't remember. Remember yeah. and uh, right, I'll take your word. Remember and um, uh, the Britney episode. He plays guitar and sings with Marley. Remember? Oh duh, I'm stupid. <laughs> yes, of course I remember. Uh, let's keep moving. Number eight on the list for Puck songs. Number eight.
Yeah. All right. Number uh, eight is season three, episode seven. I'm the only one. A puck solo that he is singing to a little special someone in the back row of the choir room. And uh, by, by a little special someone, of course, I mean an adult and uh, Shelby Corcoran. Yeah. And she is the only one that did not enjoy this performance because she is not happy. <laughs> Oh yeah, this is a this is a very passionate performance, right? Like, and uh, he's uh, definitely serving it up hard, really selling home this message. Like, girl, we done slept together now. Now I can't get you off my mind, and I want it to happen again. But you, this could be us. But you, you wasting time. Um, and then of course he has to like shift it back to to Quinn to make it seem a little less awkward. But yeah, this is a lot of fun. Um, like I said, give him a guitar, put him in front of the room, and he'll he'll give you what you want. And this is uh, this is probably one of the more popular performances by Puck. Yeah, there's actually uh, still a couple more solos up the list here. Uh, the solos did pretty well for for Puck, but uh, this is uh, still here at number eight. So number eight, I'm the only one, and uh, we'll keep it moving to number seven. Well, we busted out of class Had to get away from those fools We learned more from a three-minute record, baby Than we ever learned in school Tonight I hear the neighborhood drummer sound I can feel my heart begin to pound You say you're tired and you just want to close your eyes And follow your dreams down we made a promise we swore we'd always remember no retreat baby no surrender well now all right we don't need to go too deep into the uh, emotional performance there watching everybody cry well you're not watching the video but i'm Reliving all the sadness here. Um, yeah, number seven is uh, No Surrender from season five, episode three, The Quarterback. Puck is uh, having a tough time in this episode, as we were talking about earlier. And uh, eventually he pulls it together to give this performance for the Glee Club. Yeah, um, this is a, a tribute to his friend, his best friend. The last, I mean, Puck is probably one of the last people that got to see Finn, you know, alive. I mean, the, and we don't have to talk about it too much, but like one of the things that I've always kind of felt a little, I, mean, I, I understood why they did it. And we, we talked about it when we covered the episode, but I, I kind of wish that there was at least some sort of like closure with like Finn's end, because it really makes you wonder like who was the last people that got to see him. And based off of what we know, I feel like Puck was probably one of them. So this is just like his last little goodbye to his friend. And it, it's no question as to why it resonates so much with all of us. It's, um, yeah, it's really powerful. Yeah. And, uh, this one pretty much in the same spot all across the board, it was, uh, number seven on actually both lists. Yeah. On the overall list and on the audience list. So, uh, you know, pretty much a, a similar feeling across the board. This is, uh, one of the better performances. Uh, let's keep it moving and, uh, move into not that this is, much happier but um i guess a different kind of performance here at number six all 
all of you are going to be in this Glee Club for one week, no exceptions. She's bluffing. Next week is the championship game. Without us, she has no team. With you, I have no team. You guys have got to find a way to come together, or we're going to get our asses kicked from here until Tuesday finds a saddlebag full of buckwheat. If I have to stay, I'm not singing no show tunes. That is <laughs> the music the of my oppressors. Do you say? even have any idea what we do in here? No, none of them do. We have to show them. Rachel, Pocket, haven't you guys been working on something? Why don't you give it a whirl? Fine. As offended as I am by their presence here, I won't let anything get in the way of a performance. Picture perfect memories scattered all around the floor. Reaching for the phone cause I can't fight it anymore And I wonder if I ever crossed your mind For me it happens all the time It's a quarter Number six, season two, episode 11, Need You Now, a duet with Rachel and Aman. You have some explaining to do that uh, you knocked this single-handedly down a couple spots, and I don't appreciate it. I have never really been a fan of this song, and when I don't I don't mean, like, the Glee version. I mean, like, the song in general. I remember when this song came out, like, what, like, 2010, when Lady Antebellum released this, or, or what, what do they call themselves now? Lady A? Yeah. Um, I don't know. <laughs> Uh, I was just like, it just felt so drowsy and and slow and just like, and everybody loved it. And I was like, oh, get this shit off the radio. I will admit that I enjoy the Glee version a lot more. I don't know if it's because I am so familiar with both Mark and Leah's voice um, that it just, you know, it's, it's just my ears accept it a bit more. Um, but I mean, yeah, it's not, I, I definitely enjoy it a lot more with time. That's for sure. Um, but it's just, it's not my favorite. It's just not. Well, the audience and I are not in line with that opinion. It was the audience's uh, number four song, and it was one of my, uh, you know, I, I gave it the highest rating that I possibly could have. So it was in my top tier, and, uh, you know, that's that's that. So uh, there it is at number six, but I'm a really big fan of it. They just sound really good together, and it comes out of absolutely nowhere. You know, this it's just like, oh, you guys have something prepared, right? It's like here, just a you know, random opportunity for um, a good cover, and Sounds good. Yeah. I need you to perform this song with me to make Finn jealous. (laughs) Yeah, that too. (laughs) Um, What were you laughing at at the beginning of the scene with Coach Beast? Because what the fuck did she say about buckwheat? Like, what was she saying? Like, (laughs) oh, I have no idea. (laughs) And then Azimio was like, what? I'm not singing. What are you talking about? But um, yeah. All right. Number six. uh, Need you now. Number five. We are at the top five of Puck songs. Let's do it. Let's uh, hit play on number five. Are you gonna take me home tonight? Y'all are wrong for this. Oh, down beside that red firelight. Oh, 
was just a skinny lad Never knew no good from bad But I knew love before I left my nursery <laughs> Left alone with Big Fat Fatty She was such a naughty nanny Hey big woman, you made a bad boy out of me I don't want to keep going because I think we're at a, another verse here. But uh, number five, Fat Bottom Girls, season uh, two, episode 12. Y'all are wrong. And uh, before you Y'all go any further. Y'all are so wrong. <laughs> before you go any further with that, I'll have you know that this got a boost from both of us, not just me, from both of us here in the rankings. The audience had it a little bit lower. It was not in their top five, but it made it to number five with, uh, I, know, I, know, I know I put it at top tier, and I'm pretty sure you had it one tier below. I had it at I really enjoyed it. Wow, that was a misfire yep. on my point on my on my part. Yep. Wow. I mean it's not a bad song, okay? And it's <laughs> it's like vocally speaking, it's not it's 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 a pretty demanding song. Like his voice is up there in both the verses and the chorus. Like he has to really uh sustain himself throughout that uh song. So on that front fine i get you know i just i just just still just think about lauren's face when this song when this song no rachel's face in this song is is the one that uh i i pay attention to if you watch the video she's just making like this completely confused a little bit disgusted face uh and it's just i've never seen rachel give such reaction in any song anything before Woo. Fat Bottom Girls, number five overall on the uh, Noah Puckerman countdown. So um, I think that's a good placement. Sounds good to me. I mean, need you now. I probably would have bumped in there if I had to cut something out. It's fine. But all right. Anyway, uh, that is number five. Let's keep rolling. Uh, Top four. Number four is... Your words like knives and swords and weapons that you use against me You have knocked me off my feet again Got me feeling like a nothing You with your voice like nails on a chalkboard Calling me out when I'm wounded You picking on the weaker man Well you can take me down with just one single But you don't know what you don't know Someday I'll be living in a big old city And all you're ever gonna be is me Someday I'll be big enough so you can't hit me And all you're ever gonna be is mean Why you gotta be so Season three, episode twenty, duet with Coach Beast. We got mean. Yeah, this is nice. This is a song that I don't necessarily think about, and then when it comes on the episode, I'm like, oh yeah, they sang this together. It's so fun. It's so sweet. It's so nice, and they made me uh, like a Taylor Swift song, even when I was in the midst of hating Taylor Swift. So, <laughs> not that I hate her now. I've since grown out of that, but um. Yeah, this is this is this is a really good performance between the two of them. 
I'm still not the biggest Taylor Swift fan, and I would say that 95% of the songs of hers that they cover on Glee uh, are better than the originals, but that's just me as somebody who's not the biggest Taylor Swift fan. So, uh, you know, they, they do obviously a couple over the years, and uh, this one is uh, – <laughs> I remember tweeting this like months ago that I unironically had been listening to this in the car, and I was like, yeah, no, I really like this song. It's a really, really good cover uh, between these two, and, you know, the relationship between these two characters, we talked about it, is, uh, you know, really developed as much as – they I guess can with the level of importance that both characters are to this point in the show um, but you know they, they don't let us get through you know especially you know it, it's important there in like a little bit season two a little bit at the end of season three but then you know really there in season five kind of when at least Puck needs it the most uh, you know he needs somebody that understands him and is constantly able to you know get get to his level, relate to him, show him sense of, of comfort. And, you know, the, the way that these two are there for each other is uh, one of the underrated, compelling storylines that uh, the Glee writers put together. So big fan of that one there at number four, uh, the duet between Puck and Coach Beast. Number three, number three, top three. Uh, we've got we've got top three here. Number three, we have uh, a solo for you. And uh, here it is. Come on, guys. It's like you're daring me to start dancing. I will. I've been working on something. Oh, yeah? It's my personal tribute to a musical Jewish icon. Uh, well, fantastic. Let's hear it. Where it began. Can't begin to know when, but then I know it's growing strong. Wasn't the spring, and spring became summer. Who'd have believed you'd come along? Sweet Caroline, so season so one, good. episode eight. So good. Very early. Yes, I'm kind of shocked. I'm like trying, I'm like scanning my memory for what are the two remaining songs that could be up there. I can't think of them. Of course, when you play them, when we, I'm going to be like, oh, of course. But I right. thought that this was probably going to be number one because not only is it like just a good puck song it's just like one of the more popular songs from glee in general because it's just a popular song in general so i'm kind of shocked um yeah so i'll i'll uh you know i'm gonna call you out as much as i call you out for songs that you drag down a little bit but i'll call myself out for this one uh this one was the audience's number one pick this was their top pick uh but it did not get the same boost that the top two songs did from the two of us combined, I guess specifically me, uh, there on this one. I mean, I like this song. It's good, and I'm not denying that it deserves its spot here. And uh, like I said, the audience had it at number one by by a decent margin. You know, not not a huge gap, but a decent enough margin there. Um, but yeah, I, I, uh, I guess this one's on me for it landing at number three. 
Hmm, I'm trying to think. What is left? What puck songs am I not thinking of right now? Should I tell you the two of them? No. Okay. (laughs) You want to keep moving? Just keep going, yeah. All right. Number two, uh, right above Sweet Caroline is the next one up here. Here it is. Well, you know what? For my number, I think uh, we should move to the auditorium. Oh, I'm on... You're not alone, together we stand I'll be by your side, you know I'll take your hand And when it gets cold, and it feels like the end There's no place to go, you know I won't give in No, I won't give in Glee 100, it's season 5, it's episode 12. We bring back a bunch of uh, Glee songs from the past to have them redone here, and they give Puck this solo here. Keep holding on as he sings to Quinn. You know, they sang to Quinn the first time, he's singing to Quinn again this time, just to remind her of uh, all of the people around her that love her and that they're there for her and all that kind of good stuff. Uh, She really, really enjoys it, and as does the audience, and as do we as it lands here at number 2. Hear me when I say, hear me when I say, I believe nothing's gonna change, nothing's gonna change destiny. Whatever's meant to be will work out perfectly. Yeah, 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 yeah. Keep hold. He sounds so good. He sounds really good. Um, and we love a reprisal. It's a, just a snap out of it song to Quinn. Like, bitch, what the fuck are you doing? You're dating a, this Biff McIntosh apple yeah. orchard guy. Like, like, get out of here. Like, come on. Like, come back to us, you know? So, yeah, this is this is a really good performance. I, of course, feel like an idiot now for forgetting about it. Um, but yeah. I totally understand why it's in the top three. Yeah, uh, it's obviously here at number two. It uh, I'll tell you, the the song above it is not a solo. It is uh, not a solo. So this is the number one overall Puck solo here. Um, yeah, I, I'm not surprised to see it make it this high. I'm, I'm not uh, not surprised that I'm, I'm, I'm definitely happy to see it make it this high. This is uh, definitely in my top three if uh, this list was solely based on my votes. Um uh, we gave it a little bit of a boost to get it to number three. I think. I think the audience had. It, I'm sorry, at number two. I think the audience had it at number three. But uh, but yeah, that's that. So keep holding on at number three, and let's just rip off the bandaid and talk about number one from season one, episode eighteen. She gets too hungry for dinner at eight. 
She adores the theater and won't arrive late. She'd never bother with people she'd hate. That's why the lady is a tramp. Doesn't like crap games with barons and earls. Won't go to Harlem in ermine and pearls. Won't dish the dirt with the rest of the girls. That's why the lady is a tramp. She likes the free, fresh wind in her hair. Life without care. She's broke, it's soaked. She hates California. It's cold and it's damp. That's why the lady is a tramp. I'm really testing my limits here with how much I'm going to play on the song, but uh, I wanted to make sure to do it with Mercedes. I wanted to get Mercedes in there a little bit, and uh, there's still, I don't know, like another minute left on the song or so. If you want to uh, pause this here and go listen to it, I don't blame you. Uh, Mercedes and Puck, Season 1, Episode 18. Santana, I have paused on my screen right now, is not happy that Mercedes and Puck are singing this song together. She is not happy at all, but... Uh, the audience is happy with the song. We were happy with the song. It got good marks across the board, and that is where it landed here at number one. Yeah, this is a. Uh, it's so it's so interesting because um, just coming off of "Keep Holding On," you really realize just how much uh, Puck's voice has changed throughout his time on the show. He has such a more deeper and resonant tone to his voice during "Keep Holding On," and then with this song, he sounds so much younger and fresher and more vibrant. Um, not to say that he wasn't vibrant in the other one, but you know what I'm saying. Like, um, his voice has definitely changed as time has gone on. Um, and this was, this is, this is very fun. Um, I often vacillate between, um, this version and Tony Bennett and Lady Gaga's version. I just love this song in general. Um, and it's definitely a crowd pleaser. So for it to be the number one spot, of course, you know, like it's, uh, yeah, I mean, it. Puck and Mercedes is an, is an unusual and unexpected duo, but it works and it happens. And yeah, the lady is yeah, a tramp. Doesn't, doesn't uh, you know, obviously those two don't get a whole lot of uh, songs together if they get, you know, <laughs> many at all. But uh, I think they, uh, you know, the people, fans, I'm sure were, were asking for more at the time after at least they heard this one. It was a, uh, it was a good number here. Lady is a tramp. Um, I agree that the Gaga and uh, Bennett version is, you know, also pretty good. Um, I don't know where I would find the original. I don't know anything about the original, but it's fine. I have a Gaga version. I have a Glee version. That's all I need. Um, but yeah, it's uh, here at number one at the top spot. When you combine the viewer, or the listener votes and our votes, it was number one by a pretty sizable margin. So uh, that's that. That's it. That's number one. That's the list of Puck songs. That's why the lady is a tramp. Yes. Mm-hmm. So, 
before we uh, actually let me let me first do something that last week I did in uh, in post and editing. Let me run back up the list one more time to remind everybody in case anybody wants a refresh. Uh, so this will only take a minute. Number 22. You got to fight for your right. Duet with Finn, season four. Number 21, season one, loser, duet with Finn. Number 20, season three, episode 18, The Rain in Spain. Number 19, season three, Hot for Teacher. And number 18, season three, Santa Claus is Coming to Town, duet with Finn. Number 17, season three, Waiting for a Girl Like You. Number 16, season one, Over the Rainbow, duet with Will. 15, School's Out from season three. 14, Just Give Me a Reason, duet with Quinn from season five. 13, Only the Good Die Young from Season 2. Number 12, Glory Days, Duet with Finn, Season 3. Number 11, Big Ass Heart, Season 2. Number 10, uh, One Love, People Get Ready with Artie, Season 2. Number 9, from Season 4, Hanukkah, Oh Hanukkah with Jake. Number 8, Season 3, I'm the Only One. Number 7, Season 5, No Surrender. Number 6, Need You Now, Duet with Rachel from Season 2. Number five, uh, Fat Bottom Girls from season two. Number four, Duet with Coach Beast from season three. We got Mean. Number three, season one, Sweet Caroline. Number two, season five, Keep Holding On. And number one, The Lady is a Tramp. Duet with Mercedes Jones. All right. So, all right. Um, do you, do we want to... Uh, uh, Debating, like, is this, you know what? We're like three hours deep into this podcast. If people are still listening, then uh, they should maybe care about this or they might, they might not. I don't know. Um, I was, I have this list here of the combined, uh, you know, songs that we've talked about so far between Quinn and Puck's songs. I'm not going to play them. Uh, I'm not going to go through all that again, but you interested in uh, hearing the top 10 so far? The top 10 songs for, wait. Combined between Quinn and Puck's list. Sure. And then uh, as we keep adding characters, we'll uh, keep making this list grow bigger and bigger and see how the top 10 continues to evolve and see what sticks around, what gets knocked out. And I don't know if this is going to ultimately lead us to our top 10 uh, overall list. It might if uh, this is the way that we decide to go with it. But all right, let's uh, let's do it. Number 10 overall, Quinn Fabray, You Keep Me Hanging On, season one, episode seven. Okay, makes sense. Number nine. Lucky, Quinn and Sam, season two. Okay. <laughs> Number eight, Puck and Coach Beast, season three, Mean. Okay, that makes sense. Number seven, season three, Take My Breath Away, Quinn and Santana. Okay. Excuse me, okay. Okay. Putting you to sleep over there. <laughs> Number six, season four, Come See About Me, Quinn and the Unholy Trinity. Speaking my language, all right. Number five, we got a Puck Solo, Sweet Caroline. Makes sense. Number four, back-to-back Puck Solos, Keep Holding On. Mm-hmm. Season five. Top three, number three, I Feel Pretty Unpretty. Okay, you lost me. <laughs> How'd I lose you? <laughs> I don't really go up for that song, but I mean, it's between Quinn and Puck right now, so that's Well, fine. I know you <laughs> We're, we're at the top of both of these lists, so it's uh, a matter of who's going to come out on top. We have Quinn's number one, uh, Never Can Say Goodbye, and we have Puck's number one, The Lady is a Tramp. And I will tell you that number two by by rating is Never Can Say Goodbye. That makes sense. That makes sense. Number one, The Lady is a Tramp. Uh, not a very big margin. It's by point. Uh, 0.09% uh, or 0.09, not percent, uh, that the... 
difference was made between these top two songs. But yes, so far out of all the songs we talked about, Lady is the Tramp is the highest scoring song, followed by Never Can Say Goodbye, followed by I Feel Pretty and Pretty. And uh, we'll see how that continues to go on. I feel like, you know, because we're, we're going to have to like combine the ratings, like when Rachel's I feel pretty unpretty comes in. I might just average out whatever those two got. Like, I don't know maybe people weren't feeling Quinn as much as they were Rachel on that song. Cause I know that that song would probably generally be number one. I don't know that it would be number three out of this list, but we'll see. But just uh, in case anybody cares, that is uh, where we stand after two of these podcasts. But that is all we have for today. This uh, might have gone <laughs> Almost as long as the Quinn podcast. Who knows uh, once it's all going to be edited down and combined. But uh, anything else that you have on Puck's songs, on Puck at all, before we close this one out? No, I think that um, that top 10 is pretty solid. Top 5 is pretty solid. And I'm excited to keep this going. This is like my favorite part of each episode. So I'm excited. Yeah. Should we... uh, What do you think? Should we continue to figure out the next character off air? Or should we talk it out here? Uh, uh, I don't know. It doesn't really matter to me. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I'm sure the audience would be interested in the discussion of how we get to the next one, but uh, I don't know. Sometimes, like in the middle, of the middle of the week or the the day after we record, I'm like, hmm, this would be a good idea. I'll tell you what I was thinking, and how about I'll tell you what I was thinking. Uh, we can marinate on it for a little bit, and then you'll just have to be surprised, audience, about what pops in your feed next. Uh, one of the obvious things to go next to would be bounce from Jake Puckerman. I'm sorry, uh, Noah Puckerman to Jake Puckerman in the way that we went from Quinn to Puck. Um, I don't know if that's the best move because I also want to get some adults worked in here sooner or later. I don't want to save them all for the end when people don't care about them. So I was thinking along the lines of maybe Coach Beast in here. Coach Beast would probably not exactly get his own podcast but maybe combined with like another adult that doesn't you know have a whole lot to talk about but those are just some ideas that i've been mixing on and uh we'll see if uh you guys find either of those in your feed next week or uh you i don't know maybe something completely different all right well that's all we have for today aman where can everybody find us you can find us at choir room pod on twitter follow us individually i'm at aman adwin Matt is at Matt Ligori. Make sure that you are leaving us star ratings and reviews wherever you get your podcasts. We'll read them a lot on the show. Um, any other things that you want to talk about, just reach out to us. We'll get back to you. Um, I believe that is it. And that's it. If you guys have any thoughts, questions about Puck, about Quinn, reach out. Let us know. We'll uh, talk about it in the next one. But that's all we've got for today. So uh, until next time, we'll see you later.